I'm not the mixtape guy who's gonna put out a new one every month. I'm gonna allow my albums to marinate and resonate and whatever type of eights they can do, I'm gonna let my music grow on them. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Oodles and I have an appetite for destruction. Joining me today, straight out of Compton, it's Biggie. Motherfuckers. He's slippery when wet, it's Stig. Hello. But never mind, it's Gadget. Alright. And finally, she's on the dark side of the moon, it's Candy. Hello. How are you all doing? <laughs> Yeah, I don't usually ask. Just yeah. thought I'd ask. Just thought I'd ask. Anyway, before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our sexy <laughs> and incredibly cool patrons to help us divide and conquer the podcasting world. Details are in our show notes, but mainly check out our website, modernescapism.co.uk, for more exquisite content and links to everything we do. Now it's time for Biggest Breaking News. Mm, matron. You may already know, but he doesn't. Because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. That's <laughs> it, the week today. Uh, first up, we've got a Diablo Immortal player has splashed a huge amount of cash on their character in Blizzard's divisive new game. However, as a result, their matchmaking record is now so high they literally can't get a battle crowd. It's fucking hilarious because it's not a huge it's not just a huge amount of cash, it's a hundred grand. It's- it's a house. Grand. Just yeah. the mind boggles. And that's why we shouldn't have microtransactions in games. Bloody hell. No, that's why some people shouldn't have bank accounts. <laughs> I was difference. I, I, I was reading the article, and basically the guy's a top-end streamer, so he's like he has the money to burn on this shit. Um, but yeah, the way it works in Diablo Immortal is uh, you, when you, as, as you kind of level up the game, the game matches you with people of an equal level. And because he puts, because you can pay to win in the game and pay to increase your level, he put so much money into it. He just he kind of outstripped. He was like the highest ranked player in the world, and there was no. You wouldn't want to go up to play with, would you? And he got all. Well, he does, it doesn't necessarily make him better. It's just he has the highest rank. You know, it's just. Mm. It, mm. St- I assume there's still skill related to the game, but yeah, it just. I think Blizzard have said they're going to do something about it, but it's still. Very what stupid. are they going to do? Enjoy the win, the winnings that they've got. Enjoy Probably. the money. We're going to have a party. I assume they'd rebalance the matchmaking engine. But yeah, fucking stupid, mate. Oh, very, very Sadly, stupid. I read somewhere. Didn't they break some some ridiculous like a uh, ten million or hundred million for all this money they've made from that game since it launched? It's ridiculous the amount of money they've made on that. And I, I, and I know it made six million in profit in its first two weeks. I don't know. Is this a free-to-play game as well? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it shows you, though, doesn't it? That's the problem. The proof is there that it works, for them, mm. at least. It's disgusting, in my opinion. It's fiscal irresponsibility at its highest calibre. End those whales. Next. <laughs> 
Uh, filming has begun on Bong Joon-ho's next film, Mickey Seven. And this is starring Robert Patterson, Stephen Ewan, Naomi Ackle, Mark Ruffalo, and Tony Collette. That's a good cast. That's a good cast. The book was very good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know anything about that. I'm pretty sure Gadget this, brought it up on one of our uh, one of our shows, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I reviewed it on you. I'm gonna Biggie doesn't it listen. Right now. <laughs> no, it's just the fact I don't know if the you know haven't read the book. Can't comment. On it. It's a, well, I'll tell oh, you. I'm commenting. It's a very good book. <laughs> he reviewed it. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Very. We're going around in a loop here. <laughs> yeah. Very. Is this, is this Bong's first movie with Western actors? I guess. Is he doing a John Woo here? I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any doves in it. Yeah, let's see if there are doves flying <laughs> across the camera. I don't think there's any doves in the book. set in space, so, you know. Space doves. We all know about those. Uh, it could be space, space doves. doves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I, it's, it's certain, certain directors and certain auteurs, you just, you just automatically get hype and excited for it until they uh, shit on your dreams. Taika Waititi. I'm just talking to you <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on we've got the irredeemable Batgirl movie it has been shelved by Warner Brothers despite a 70 million price tag that's some serious loss they're taking there mm. I think it was nearly finished like, no, it was finished they were, post- they were screening it for post- test audiences mm. it must have gone down but like a lead it, balloon it, no it, it hasn't did. had it didn't it, it's testing about, about the same as Black Adam so they can't use that as an excuse yeah, that's oh. the same as Shazam, which yeah. made a lot of money at the box office. The, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, a, massive, it's a massive tax write-off. Under That's all it is. Uh, you reckon, mate? You reckon? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Are they scared, aren't they? Because incels don't like films about superhero girls. Forget about all the girls yeah. that want to go watch a, a woman be women, a superhero. Women can't be powerful, you know. Yeah, this. yeah. So. Don't be ridiculous. But we'll still put out the flash with problematic Ezra Miller. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, isn't it? Let's put, let's, yeah, let's put let's put out the flash while Ezra, Ezra Miller's racking up um, arrests like like he's collecting them. Batgirl's got a really interesting story and good arc as well. It's well, yeah, it's nothing it's, wrong it, with it. It, was, it was it was also going to be the kind of the first major film with Brendan Fraser backing because he was going to play Firefly. No way. Yeah. Was it? yeah. And oh, Keaton, that'd been Keaton, Keaton was going to be in this one as well. Yeah, I wasn't oh, disappointed what? until I heard the cast. Ah, oh, that's that's a shame. Who was going to play um, that girl? Uh, oh shit, I can't remember her name. Uh, oh, a new a new person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just type it. Who plays? Batgirl? I'd Google it, mate. But your Google's better than mine. Leslie Grace. Leslie Grace, still no clue. Um, it's a shame, uh, that, isn't it? Maybe, maybe it'll come on uh, one of these platforms. Nope, the the, the the proper candidate. Like it's not shelved; it's cancelled. It's not coming out. Yeah, they've done a lot of stuff. Cancelled a lot of projects and stuff. Um, uh, oh, you, just, you something they're not cancelling is the DC okay. Cinematic Universe. I've seen shame. this. They're coming up <laughs> with a ten-year plan. Marvel fans, you can rejoice. We're not talking about Marvel this week. We're talking about DC. <laughs> <laughs> that bodes well but for yeah, the Nexus, got, trust me. They're, they're trying to do uh, 
David Feige, Feige, Ferrero, whatever his name is. Kevin Feige. Um, Kevin doing Feige. David, David Feige doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> I bet you if I Google David Feige, I bet he exists. It's just not. You're changing his I'm surname every time. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, DC Universe, they're doing a 10 year plan because they want some of that Marvel Wonga. It's it happening myself. They've been trying for the last 10 years to get that Marvel Wonga. <laughs> 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 it's disgusting. It's, 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 it's such a shame because it's such a rich, rich tapestry that they can just use. Like, like The Batman, for instance. Perfect. On its own. Yeah, loved it. What a, lovely, what a lovely film. What a lovely sensational film. Leave it on its own. Mm. Why not? Like, they don't need to have yeah. a cinematic universe thing. They can just have individual franchises. You can have the Batman the franchise. The shareholders with want a cinematic universe. And nobody yes. else. But the D- Joker didn't need that, did it? Yeah. And a fuck ton of money. Yeah, like yep. the DC films seem to do better when they're self contained. They don't need to be a shared universe. Yeah, because the, the, the characters, bear in mind, the DC characters tend to be older and more recognizable than a lot of Marvel characters that they, they have to interweave into other superheroes, things like. No, nobody cared about Loki, did they? And then they had to weave him in. Yeah. But with, with DC, you got Marvel. Uh, sorry, with DC, you got Batman, Superman. You've got all these people that everyone just knows. So they can be on their own. They don't need an origin. They don't need to be put into these shared fucking universes. Even I'm getting fed up with it. They also need to just not give Zack Snyder money to do things. Yeah. Never helps things. Like, the best DC films are the ones that didn't have anything of Zack Snyder's touch to it. Mm. Yes. Like, the, like the, the Suicide Squad. Yep. Which was great. Oh, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Come on. Mm. <laughs> God, next, before I get angry. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Directors Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneinhardt um, have signed an exclusive five-year deal with Universal. So, clearly, the money's on them to make... A few more movies. I'm sure they're going to do all sorts of stuff. I, can't I bet they don't do a normal film next. That's not mm. Do you think it'll be a Never... sequel to that? No, I don't think it needs. Oh, to. It doesn't need. It doesn't need a sequel. I don't think it does, but I'm sure they'll be pushed to try and do that. I, no, I think I, I think it's more of a case of like the Daniels have got um, enough of a brand recognition now that Universal are clearly going. Here's a lot of money. Make us something that makes money. That's all they're doing. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I agree. People like weird. Bring weird out. More weird, please. Well, here's some more for you. Cowabunga, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Mutant Mayhem is heading to theatres exclusively in August the 4th in a year's time, 2023. What? Exclusively on one day? No, that's when it releases. Exclusively in theatres, sorry. But a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film just came out as well. So then they're going to do another, another animated film next year. This is not live. So they are the animated ones. Just, oh, this right. is an animated one, yeah. So I'd be a bit more interested if it was live action. They were trying to do something mm. like that again, but like that Megan Fox one where the, the turtles just look. No, I forgot about that. <laughs> I actually yeah, generally forgot Sonic about them. Teeth. There's two of them. There's two of them. Yeah, and the, the turtles look hideous and. Oh strange. no! Yeah, <laughs> I can't even explain it. They just look strange. The first bring one. Back do the you guys know what? in suits. Yeah, mm. bring back the pu- the puppets. Like that, that first yeah. one was, is great. It's like get Jim Henson, dark, dig him up, dig Jim Henson up now. Proper dark on. in places, and and uh, has some proper poignant moments. They, in they it. went back to feudal Japan. They sort of shit. No, not that, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, the first, I, 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 you know, I'll 
die on that hill. The, the first one is a good film, like good kids' film. And Good's a strong some... word. It's a fine film. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's good. Time. Oof. Oof. I would okay. gladly watch that again. When did you, when did you last watch it? A few years ago, but um, mm. not like years and years ago because I bought it on DVD and watched it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I I, I so was not talking it. like it twenty years year. ago. Yeah, I enjoyed I like it. it. Don't get me wrong; it's a it's a proper romp, and uh, you've got you've got everyone that you need. It hits every beat that it needs to hit, and the uh, turtles still look good today. Apart this is from... the one with the turtle wrap. Is that the second one? Yeah. Oh, we don't need yeah. that one. No, we don't no. need that one. Oh, Just the first one. Rap, man. Vanilla Ice? Come on. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. <laughs> That's it. And Tokar and Razor as well that weren't Bebop and Rocksteady. No, they couldn't have. They didn't <laughs> the have the rights to those for some strange reason because the creator didn't give them them. The best thing about Tokar and Razor is show. they appear in the new game. A what? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. There's callbacks to those films in that game. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Cool. You Next. Give me more of them. Speaking of sequels, um, Lady Gaga has confirmed her involvement in Joker 2. Which this I think is be might... a thing. Yeah, is that going to be like... This. Everyone thinks it's going to be a musical, isn't it? It is going to be a musical. It's confirmed. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> like, I think it if it wasn't a musical... Yet, but... I wish I, I'd have loved it for them not to say it's a musical and everyone gone to the cinema <laughs> and then it turned out to be a musical. It would have been amazing. <laughs> no, I'm actually mm. more interested in it that it is a musical because at least they're, do, they, they're definitely doing something different. Um, that's one of those films that I feel like I'm broken on because I don't like it. <laughs> I'm completely broken. A lot broken. of people don't like it. Mm. A lot of people don't like it. It just didn't it have to fine. be a joke film in my opinion and I'm not, I'm not gatekeeping in any way. I just... Of course it did. Uh, That's how you bring it. As Biggie calls it, the Wonga. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. It's still unnecessary. That film doesn't do that money without being a joke film. No. Yeah. No, it can't, can it? In no. fact, the, in fact, the no. film that um, uh, that he did the year before did the Joker film better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can joke. What a joke. <laughs> 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 And you guys asked for it, so it's coming. Jake Gyllenhaal is now apparently going to be in the Roadhouse remake. Roadhouse. <laughs> Thanks to Amazon. I like Just, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I like him. Roadhouse. I like Roadhouse when I saw it about a million years ago, but I don't think it's worthy of a, a remake. It's such a weird choice. Mate, it's but... a proper cultural uh, hit, that one. The people love mm. Roadhouse, especially when, uh, when Swayze retired. People were like, get back in his back catalogue, and they're all this... Red Dawn mm. and Roadhouse and Dirty Never Dancing and Ghost. Everyone Gen- was proper digging it. Generally, the most I've ever heard about Roadhouse is that Family Guy joke. Yeah. That is the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this new you one apparently is going to star Conor McGregor as well. So that's already oh, for he's a badass in it. Sorry, is a, min- a minus point for it. Do you think it's going to be like dark it. and gritty, or do you think they're going to give it the Cobra Kai remake? It's Jake Gyllenhaal. He'll be staring into the camera with eyeliner on. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm, in. I'm in, mate. I'm big in. I like him. Tearing everyone's throats out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring it on, Roadhouse. Uh, here's a weird one that uh, popped into the news feed today, uh, this week. EA has now removed incest from The Sims 4, as it was. No way. I, get, I don't get this. It was accidentally <sighs> added to the game last week. Well, that's it. I'm not playing it anymore. Excuse yeah. me, I go and How install. do you accidentally? <laughs> it's virtually add that unplayable in? now. Well. How, um, how can I do the House of Targaryen now on fucking Sims? Impossible. 
I mean, you say you say how can sure. they how can they add that in? It'll have just been some accidental numbers have been put in there to basically have a flag that says if the relationship is this, they're not allowed to romance each other. You know, the, oh, that'll have gotten shame. switched off. But the the the, the funniest thing I've seen with that is um, uh, what do you call them? Paradox, the publisher, uh, put out a, a tweet in response to it because uh, they make Crusader Kings, um, and they their do. their tweet simply said, "One studio's accident is another's game design." Oh well, uh, <laughs> because quite famously in Crusader Kings, you know, you can you, you yeah. can incest your way through your family tree uh, and also marry a horse. Yeah, why not, Prin- Princess why not? Glitterhoof? No, I need, I need to play that. Oh God! You just revealed would... something there, Biggie. Nah, that nah, I didn't nah, want to know. No, nah, no, nah. Biggie, you don't need well, to play it. You'll smash, you'll smash your computer. It's got the most complicated interface of any game I've ever played. <laughs> and I'm out. Yeah, you'll, really you'll turn it on and somehow end up opening Netflix. You do know he does play uh, Football Manager. It's not exactly streamlined. Nah, you haven't seen Crusader Kings, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I never will. Uh, something else that's been in development for a million years, 15 in fact, Beyond Good and Evil 2 has now got a new lead writer. Sure. This was game was announced. You. Hold your horses, for some weird reason. Yes, too. Um, was announced in 2008, and yes, they've right. been doing, it's still happening post since 2014. Um, and yeah, now apparently it's going to apparently be out in 2024. Can you remember? writer. Cast your minds back when Elijah Woods was doing that graffiti competition <laughs> in regards to Beyond Good and Evil. Like, come yeah. on, your graffiti can be in this game. I wonder if someone spent so much time doing some good graffiti <laughs> and it will appear. And that someone is now a grandfather. <laughs> it, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is never going to happen. I mean, for a start, it's like Michel Ancel, the guy who was behind the original game, he left Ubisoft, he left the games industry a couple of years back. <laughs> That he was sick of it and he wanted to go like bum around France. Ubisoft's or not the same company anymore. Oh, it's it's never going to happen. And he, even if it does happen, it's not going to have anything to do with the original. There's like, a lot of there's a lot of like rumors. There's a YouTube video where it's saying are these games were these games secretly Beyond Good and Evil two, but it's just reskinned. And there's loads. I, I'll I'll send you a link where <laughs> these games look like they could have been that yeah. game, and they're just gone. Oh no, bottled it, bottled it, turned it into something else at the last minute. Do, 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 you, do you remember? The, the, do you remember that? Trailer for it. I was going to say the CG, CGI trailer that had no resemblance to the original game whatsoever. No, no, that's swearing. Well, it. No, that game, can you remember that game on Xbox One? That Recall, I think it was. Yeah, re, yeah. I heard rumors of Recall. Was people supposed think to be. that was it. I could believe that, that to be honest with the, the the art style. I've never played it, but people. Yes, you have. Yeah, people be, said that was it. You played it when you got your Xbox. Oh, I have, haven't I? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I just looked at the things now. Yeah, I did play it. The the the, 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 it's the um, it does it's because. It, she even has, has like a skimmer, doesn't she? Like, yeah. like she has on that. It's, it's never no going though. to happen. Yeah. Maybe on like maybe on like the PlayStation 9 we'll get it. No, the heat death of the universe will come before Ubisoft releases that fucking game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like the first one a lot. This one's amazing. Beautiful little game. Mm, I liked it a lot. I remember playing it to death. PS2, wasn't it? Yeah, PS2. I, I had it on PC. Thank you. Think. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Around that era, two thousand and two, two thousand and three, something like that. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I, I had like it was a run where I had a good, good few games in a row, like Shadow of the Colossus, Beyond Good and Evil. A few yeah. others, just banger, 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 banger. Mm. Time. Then with the days. Mm-mm-mm. Speaking of those, no. all, oh, all, right. <laughs> he's Steam decking it again. All here, Stig yeah. Deck, Big Deck Energy. 
plan and play them. <laughs> I like that. That's Big good. Deck Big energy. deck energy. Episode title, That's I think good. that one works out. <laughs> <laughs> Any more news there, the game? Just two more. Keanu Reeves has been set to start in Devil in the White City. Hulu has given this uh, series the order for the adaption of the Eric Larson bestseller. Again, don't know anything about it. Why does Keanu Reeves always creep in? Why does he always sneak into our podcast? It was me. I put that news story in there. Is he haunting us? <laughs> no, just haunting, haunting Candy's mind, living rent-free in there. I mean, to be yeah. fair, it is his first TV role, apparently, so it's slightly news. It, it will be, actually, won't it? Yeah. I mean, he's not on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... I'm sure he won't cut <laughs> his hair for it. No. Or shave. <laughs> or shave. Or act. Oh, no. or act. I'm against shaving anyway. Shaving's, shaving's fool. Or wear any colour other than black. Black's oh, a good that colour. I agree with. <laughs> Shut up, you goth. <laughs> <laughs> he says wearing black. <laughs> And sadly, finally, to just end on uh, another retirement that actually happened in the night we were recording, sadly, Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura in one of the uh, most groundbreaking roles in uh, British, uh, sorry, British TV, in uh, <laughs> TV history, sci-fi TV history, uh, sadly passed away at the age of 89. What, what, what a beautiful person. What a beautiful job that she, she did. Ah, f- if you don't know, she played Ahura, and wow, just iconic. You know, some people like they don't like to say that they they just had that one role that defined them, but I'd imagine she'd be absolutely proud as Punch to have that as a legacy. Fantastic! Yeah. What a what a fucking loss. Yep. Mm, live long and prosper. That's all I can say on that one. Beautiful, beautiful. There was beautiful. there was a really. Um... Lovely picture that someone had made online. It's um, I liked it anyway, and it was kind of had her meeting the other cast members that have kind of passed away, yeah. and it was talking about people remember us and the stories we told and and the things that yeah. we did to push the boundaries and that kind of thing. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, beautiful man, beautiful. What a legacy. Is that the news then? Yes. Someone just die then. No, no, that but, was no my phone. But... Sorry, gadget. I thought ah, it was on. I, fo- I was looking at Biggie there because the phone was good. I, I know. Saw... I checked. I checked my phone. Oh, I, I, saw me. I saw Biggie move. I thought you lying bastard. <laughs> I ruined that wonderful Sting moment. You, with, with that you? It. Yeah, I, I mine's always on, but he silent as well. So I have no idea why it's on vibrate. Insensitive. Now it's like playing a video clip. Insensitive beast. Phones <laughs> I love for one second. Everyone suddenly looked really worried. Like, oh my god, it's me. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> But for the context, My everyone in, in, in the in the kill it with fire section of our of the Patreon part last week, I ranted Here about because for the last two weeks, Biggie's phone has been going off on his desk, and I've just been hearing a <laughs> sound. So when I heard it going there, I looked at him. I looked at him. <laughs> <laughs> it was Stig all along. I knew it was me because it was loud. And I was like, <laughs> never <laughs> trust a corpo. Telling you, no, nah, never trust a corpo. No, never. I don't know never. what you mean. <laughs> so that's the news there, Biggie. <laughs> that is, sir. Excellent, excellent. Let's move on to the Nexus. Now, <clears throat> we're all probably going to talk about one of the big things that's happened this week, but mm-hmm. I, we've, we've all got individual stuff as well, so I'm going to kick things off because <clears throat> I need to wax lyrical about something. So rarely do my expectations meet or be exceeded by something that's adapted to screen, and this 
show that I binged watched all 10 episodes of since its release on Friday, I think. Bloody hell. Has it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, has exceeded my expectations massively. It's The Sandman on Netflix. Why, Netflix, do you keep me coming back for more? You know what I'm trying to do. You know I'm trying to get rid of you. And oh, they've done it again. <laughs> they've done it again. <laughs> the bastards have done it again. So, yeah, um, I'll give you a little run through what The Sandman is because a lot of people assume it's Sandman from Spider-Man, <laughs> which would make a completely <laughs> different type, type of program. <laughs> it's not. It's Neil Gaiman. So people that don't know Neil Gaiman, big Norse mythology, um, a American Gods, big, big Excellent. comic book writer. Yeah, a lot, lot of that. So it's based on the DC Comics property, The Endless. Like I said, 30% less Marvel. Let's talk about DC today. Uh, yeah, based on the property of The Endless, which is basically, in a nutshell, DC's god concepts. But, so, they're not gods, they're concepts. You need to know the difference between that. So, these, um, is the word anthropomorphic when it's human-like? Yes. Is that mm. the right word? Yeah, I didn't write that down, I'm going off script. Yeah, these anthropomorphic concepts are known as desire, delirium, destruction, Death, destiny, despair, and dream. These are all a family, basically. That's all your um, mates in the pub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Dave and Big Death and Big Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're the seven children of time and darkness. Some like more concepts that are basically gods. But they're not technically gods because in DC and Neil Gaiman's law, gods have to be believed in to exist, which is shown in like good omens and uh, American gods and stuff like that. If you don't believe in them, they're not gods, but these exist whether you believe in them or not, so it shows you how powerful they are as uh, concepts in general. So um, <clears throat> the plot of this show and the books, I think, Big, have you read some of these? Not all, um, but I did read... Um, There's so many, though, isn't there? A few, yeah, a few <laughs> volumes of the same. dropped off at one point. Yeah. So th- this is the plot from uh, The Moth famous runs of, of the books. It's because it's episodic as well, they get to put a load of the runs, separate runs in and they do it justice big style. So when Morpheus, he is Dream, uh, aka the Sandman, is captured at the very beginning of the first episode and imprisoned for a hundred years. All his tools have been scattered and he has to recall all of his tools and fix his realm. Uh, his realm's called the Dreaming and he has to restore order. Basic plot, simple plot. But what they do with this show, they use, they use a full episode, the first episode, to get you to know these concepts and get you to know how um, humans, certain humans do know who these are. You know, like Alistair Crowley and people like that. Yeah. The, the dark people the, on the fringes of society. They know that these concepts exist. So, far. so most of the episodes running, they have their own story with like a grand narrative in the background leading to what I think is a really satisfying ending. Think X-Files, Monster of the Week type stories. Like Obviously, there's 10 episodes, so each one's got an individual beginning, beginning, middle, and end. And then yeah. it just... At the end, you get a little piece of the main puzzle. Um, you get... The locales are so good. You get uh, Hell, for instance. He has a duel. Uh, Dream has a duel with uh, Lucifer uh, all the way to Hell on Earth, Florida. Uh, so the sets and locations are fantastic. The costume designs are impeccable. Like, I don't know if you've seen the trailers to this. 
everyone looks exactly how they looked in the comics. And if you don't know what the comics look like as well, they're very strange, macabre comics. They're almost like um, visceral and Hellraiser-esque and stuff like that, the minging. Do you know what I mean? And these people do look like... It's gothic. That's what I want to say. It's, it's proper goth. Um, uh, the show and the books have Morpheus as the main character. So he's a living embodiment of uh, humans' dreams and nightmares and lives in his dream realm in which we, we all, us, visit every night when we go to sleep. So when you have a dream, that's his realm, and it's all linked to one thing. So those mornings when you wake up and you feel like you haven't had a dream, that's Morpheus having a day off. He's had a day off, or he's, he's busy walking around humans because he's obsessed with humans as well. He doesn't understand them. So, uh, and when you get deja vu, that's Morpheus bumping into you by accident, and he just fucks it up a little bit. So it shows the power that he wields. Um, now, I do have to mention without going any further that, yes, this is a DC property, but this is not a superhero show in any way. In fact, it's got to the point where, like, in the continuity of the books, like, Morpheus affects every hero in the books. Like, remember um, Batman's nightmare scenario? Yeah. That's Morpheus doing that to him. Right. Showing him the future because he, he, it's a balance. He, he likes to keep things balanced. So he's that guy. Um, obviously, big links and ties to Constantine, Hellblazer. It's the same thing. It's the same universe. And Constantine is kind of in this. Now, this is the clever thing. So, because Gaiman's on board with this. He's the guy that made it. Um, he said, look, I want it away from this DC expanded universe because it's got such negativity towards it. Obviously, he still knows it's DC property and Warner Brothers is still attached to it. But instead of... Because Netflix... I don't know if you know, Netflix have already got a lot of DC shows on there. They've got Lucifer, which is a DC property. People, a lot of people don't realise that's DC. Um, it's got... Uh, what else has it got? I've written down a few. Uh, Archie. <laughs> it's got the Riverdale. That's on yeah. there and stuff like that. And all that flash and all the other stuff, he wanted it separately. So what he's done, he's, he's gender-swapped a lot of characters we know. So instead of John Constantine, we've got Joanna Constantine, oh. which it's enough to make you think, is that them? Yes, it's them, but it's shown you that it's different. And Lucifer is obviously this handsome man. You've, seen, you've probably seen a little bit of the show where he's sauntering and kissing women and stuff. In this, they've gender-swapped him to Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. And it's fucking incredible. She is sensational as Lucifer Morningstar. Um, cast, again, it's incredible. It's got the likes of uh, Tom Sturridge, who plays Dream, uh, a.k.a. Sandman, a.k.a. Morpheus, many names. Gwendolyn Christie, like I said, Jenna Coleman, Boyd Holbrook, Stephen Fry, Charles Dance, and David Foolis. Now, the reason I'm leaving David Foolis to, to the last, because... There is one episode, episode five, called 24-7. It's its own episode. Do you know how some shows do the, where it's barely in context to any of the rest of the show? Yeah. It's its own thing. It's the best hour of television I've ever watched in my life, and that is not just hyperbole. To the point where if you're not interested in watching this show, please just watch that one episode. Mm-hmm. The concept of that episode is uh, David Foolis plays John Dee, a big character in the grand narrative of it, but... He's in a diner, an American diner. He's got a jewel on him that he can basically make people do what he wants them to do. So he's bored. He's got a day off, and he's in this diner, and just a proper American diner where you get pancakes and stuff, burgers. 
And what he does, he gifts them all truth. All, all they speak are truths. Everything they say comes out of the mouth, it's just truth. And my God, humans are the most va- vile and vicious creatures of all time when they're not lying. <laughs> it's fucking horrendous. It just, oh, the chaos that it exudes and everything about this one episode is just perfect, perfect standalone episode. And please, I know I'm, I'm waxing on too long about this, but the whole show's spectacular. I think everything, did any of you watch Good Omens? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Superb no, show. I need to watch that. Yeah. It, it, Good Omens is very um, fun for the family, isn't it? To a point, yeah. This is an 18. There's blood, there's titties, there's willies. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> fucking gross. It's disgusting. It's the throwing everything against the wall and it sticks, usually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trust me. It's just sensational. It's just the mythos behind it all is fantastic. They've just nailed it. There are. Stuff that Stig likes. No, Stig loves an Easter egg. You will see a Batman figure on somebody's wall. You know what I mean? You will see a Flash figure or a Flash poster somewhere just to remind you of that little bit where you are. But none of them are making an appearance. None of it's there. There is the only closest thing we've got to a superhero is a famous superhero. A famous superhero's kid is in this. But it's pretty obvious who it is. Um... Everything, just everything about it. I just, I've never had that much joy from something that I also loved. I, it's fucking weird to say this, but I think you're better off watching this show than reading the books. And I adore the books. I, it's rare. It's one of those things where the the show's probably better. It's getting good reviews critically. Like, yeah, I've heard good proper, things. Like, mm. Proper smash it. And I just, please just watch episode five if you're not gonna. It's ten episodes, so it's ten hours. Of your life, um, I did it in a weekend, guys. You can do it. <laughs> it's just, I just, I, I've written so much more that I'm just not even looking at it anymore because I've gone off topic anyway about it. Because I could go on all day. I could literally do a spoiler cast for the rest of my life on this show. It's just hit me so massively that it's made me feel like the main thing we're all going to talk about together is inconsequential to me. In because I watched that first. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I like that thing that we're going to be talking about altogether, but this has just hit me so much more. I think it's stunning. It's sensational. It's, it's my favourite thing Netflix have ever done. And it's better than Stranger Things, it's better than The Witcher, it's better than anything they've done, it's better than Castlevania, it's better than all the good ones that they've done. Oh, cool. And I just know they're going to fucking cancel it. I know they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just going to say, my uh... fucking heart. <laughs> is it left open for more then I take it yeah 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 it ends it ends at the perfect point where I thought it was going to end at the end of because obviously the, the comics they went on for like 200 300 issues and 40 different arcs and stuff and it ends perfectly at a good point where you think right I know what's coming next because you've got to bear in mind Dream is one of the seven endless he's one of the family members and we're focusing on him throughout the whole thing there's six others that we can make, yeah. do you know what I mean? So, so they can just continue with someone else. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and still the characters we know and love from the first series can be in the others because they're a family. It's just, it's just perfect. It's actually perfect. And it's, it's weird for me to say it. I've, I've got no negatives about it whatsoever. And I think Sturridge, the guy that plays Morpheus, is going to be the new fucking... Um, 
he's going to be the new Edward Cullen. He's he's brooding. He's like, do you know, from uh, what's it called, Twilight. Yeah. He's going to be that because he's got a look of him as well. I, I, what's his name again? Batman. Robin Pat- Robert Ro- Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. He's the he's the new him. And definitely, he's, he's he's brooding. Cheekbones that could cut glass. And he's a sparkle. <laughs> less, a lot less sparkle. His his voice is his voice. Do you know when you, you read books and stuff? Because obviously these are graphic novels. They're not comics. The graphic novels are massive. The tomes, and you know when you you read you read a character's voice in your head, don't you? They've nailed what I thought he sounded like, <laughs> and that's rare. That yeah. is rare. Like when Ian McKellen did Gandalf first time. At first I went, oh, that's not my Gandalf. <laughs> but then he becomes your Gandalf, doesn't he? Because it's just he's burned into He is you, Gandalf. You. Yeah, exactly. But this guy, he is Morpheus. He is oh God. even even the dress the, the the dress stupid as well. They're all they're all stupid. Like they've, they've done it perfectly. Like Desire is in it, and Desire is um, one of the family members, and it's still a, a gender fluid character played by a gender fluid actor. Do you know what I mean? They've just yeah. they've just fucking done everything. Bang on! There's, there's no, I've got no criticisms with it. The, if I would, if I would, it'd be that the ending doesn't end with a massive bang because that volume didn't end with a massive bang. It's just a setup to everything else. It's just, I, I, it's a ten out of ten for me. It absolutely fucking flawed me. Cool. Just watch, just watch episode five if you're not going to watch any of the others, please. It's fucking sensational. That's me. Whew. I love it, guys. Biggie, <laughs> what you've been doing? Yeah. But- been playing a bit of Shadow uh, Shadow Run Returns on my Shadow PC Fall. laptop. Shadow Fall, sorry, yeah. Shadow <laughs> Fall. <laughs> a little bit one. of Shadow Fall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been quite enjoying that. Um, just played a bit of old school PC gaming as well as Football Manager, as you mentioned. There was one thing that I did watch, and I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's just really wound me up and infuriated me. Because this guy's more of a bigger prick than I thought he was, and it's Tim Westwood. There is a documentary um, called Abuse of Power. And for those that don't know, is obviously a hip hop DJ, and he it's did a, a lot of incredible, <laughs> you know, incredible work for the hip hop community, both British and American. He was, you know, what he did over those years is incredible for music. But it turns out he's an absolute dick. And this abuse of power is, again, the BBC. I don't know what happens at the BBC, how people that seem to work there seem to be getting away with a lot of things when apparently complaints uh, were made word. against him. Corrupt. <laughs> it's just so sad to hear. And the documentary itself, personally, it's quite poorly presented in the sense of the overall feeling of the show because obviously the, the subject matter is the most important, and that's fine. But the way it's presented, if you think of all those really good Netflix documentaries that you can watch. This is the prediction values behind it aren't great, but at least they still get the message across when they explain what he's um, been alleged to have done. And it's just awful. And it's just a wanker. It's really fucked me off. But I wanted to see it to find out a bit more about it. And we uh, tried to tell you months ago. Are, no, I know, but these women are very brave, and I just appreciate the fact that I again they, they've come they've come forward to talk about what needs to be talked about. And there's two parts. So I've seen the first part. It's only half an hour each, but I only managed to see the first half. But it, it just infuriated me how this man has been doing it for so long. Like there was something false years. about him from the off. Obviously, I weren't there from exactly. the inception or anything like that. But 
A man from Norfolk talking like that is already a red flag. And he's the son. He's, he's, he's the son of a former Anglican bishop of Peterborough, for God's yeah. sake. He, he gives. He's a posh guy. You know, he's a posh I, know, guy. I know he's playing a persona, and that's what he was doing as a DJ. I get all that, but it, it just makes yeah. him even more of a joke. And Ali G was based on him, apparently. You know all this kind of thing. He so was. You can get the, the comedy value from it, but yeah, it's just so infuriating reading about what he's and seeing what he's less to have done. And I just hope he gets everything that comes his way. But um, yeah, Probably that's it for me it. because. Obviously, we're going, we're going to, to talk, talk about, about something, something else. else in a bit. Excellent, 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 excellent. Stick. Uh, so this week, obviously, we've been giving each other albums, and I mentioned in our Discord after the fact a day later that I actually had written an album down for Biggie, other than what I gave him, and completely oh. forgot about it. Um, but then it got me to look up Coheed and Cambria, listening to them, and it actually had a new album just come out in in June. So I've in it good. So I've been listening to that. And yeah, it's typical Coheed, and it's epic and great and so good. Yeah, brilliant. So just if you don't know Coheed and Cambria, are they're like a prog rock alternative band, and they kind of spent their whole career doing a concept with as an ongoing sci-fi story, and it's spread over nine albums, and it coincides with the graphic novel, the Armory Wars, and Armory Wars, and it's uh, it kind of tells the story of what's going on in, in each of those graphic novels, uh, which are written by the lead singer Claudio Sanchez. Um, and I think that's brilliant. Like if you, you listen to this story throughout, I really, I really need to read the novels um, because it's so good, mate. I want to so good. Know what? I want to see what he's singing about. Do you know what I mean? Like the the I I can hear the story and I can and I can kind of grasp what's kind of go been put together yeah. within the lyrics, but I'd like to see it on the page and um. So yeah, the like, actual art direction of the books, I sense it. I can't remember the artist that does it, but they are stunning bits of work. Yeah, so but the band kind of makes use of recurring melodies and self uh, <coughs> referencing musical and lyrical cues like throughout the whole thing. And they are constantly referencing back to the to the Amory Wars. And so their new album, uh, Vaxis to a window of the waking. This is typical of, of Coheed, by the way, their <laughs> albums are, it's the follow up to Vaxis act one, the unheavenly creatures. <laughs> so that came out in 2018 and they had, um, obviously a bit of a gap between, and this is the second album in a five part story. So there's going to be get another kid. I think that's why yeah. they had a gap. Faxes three, and the pandemic. four, and five. Yes, and that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's really good. Groovy and pop songs in there, with obviously mixing with hard, heavy tracks. Um, bit of a kind <clears> of a musical <throat> touch to the end. I really like the start. It's um, the embers of fire. It's got like it's like a proper call to arms. Uh, yeah, it is. In it, it just it starts off with this little piano and just kind of builds up with like. Dum, 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 like that kind gets of like some, yeah, gets you going, and then there's a bit of a choir singing in the background, and yeah, it just kind of gets you going for the rest of the album. Um, I like that they're still kind of pushing boundaries as a band, that like they're not boxed into one sound. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of kind of starts to peak towards the end. It comes a bit more spiky and progressive, but that's kind of like a structure they've used before. But like the final three tracks. It's like a proper epic mm-hmm. journey with like twists and transitions, and it ends in this big nine-minute epic grandiose of a closer. And so good! It's yeah. If you like Coheed and Cambria, which I do, I, I've kind of 
enjoyed everything they've done. To be honest, I don't think there's anything. I don't think I, they've done a bad album. Like. No, I don't think they've done a bad one. Um, you'll like this. You you will like this. And I, and I implore people to just give them a try and a listen. To be honest, I was going to give Big E and uh, Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth three. <laughs> um, or you loved it. Yeah, I think he would have. I think he'd have much preferred this. Although I did say it might have been a bit more. It might have been a bit lost on you, Biggie. Not any other reason that you kind of have to listen it. to them a lot to to start to hear the story and hear his lyrics and the style of singing is quite high pitched in places as well. That once you've listened to them a lot, you then start to pick up bits of the storytelling. Oh, his voice is very unique. Yeah, I thought it was a woman to start with when I first heard. I them. can see it now. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he looks nothing like a woman. No. <laughs> no, he does have amazing hair though. He's got yeah. great hair. <laughs> Did you know that they um they actually released a sequel to Jesse's Girl, the song, the yeah. original eighties song. They did a sequel called Jesse's Girl Two with uh, is it Rick Springfield that sung that yeah. originally, with him in it as well. They did a oh, fucking to, sequel to a song. Listen to that after this. Definitely it's so good. It sounds like Jesse's Girl, but it's their version of it with Rick Springfield coming in as well. It's so yeah. good. Clever band. I, I would give him, give him a try, Biggie. I not the, you know the album I gave you this week was just a bit of fun, really. But that I'd give so, these a, a go. Do you mean I think it's changed he, his fucking life? I think you'd probably enjoy the graphic novels that go along with them as well. I was just going to say I'd, I'd be interested. In, I'm more interested in comparing the two and seeing how it fits. Yeah, if you, if you're interested in, in in graphic novels along the lines of the uh, June graphic novels, uh, some 2000 AD stuff, that's kind of their. Their, how their books run. It's more Dark Horse than Marvel or DC. Some good yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm going to try check both out. Yeah, track them down. It's quite expensive yeah, out there. There's quite a lot of them. You now. can get an omnibus, but it's a table book and it's about 300 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to delve that much and I might just try the first few, see how I get on. I think they're on Comixology. I think they're on there if you want mm. them digitally, but fucking great. Yeah, new Coheed album. Great, great album. Great band. Yeah. Is my agreed, agreed, agreed. Any more? Or are you going to save just that last main bit? Yep. Gadget? Uh, so I finished Miles Morales this week. Uh, great. It's good, isn't it? Loved it. Pref- much preferred to the full, like the original game. Told you. Yeah. yeah, me too. Much better story, much better ending to the story as well. I, I, re- I really like that kind of the last battle, even though it was exhausting by the end. Like it goes, it goes on forever, that kind of final battle with the Tinkerer. Ooh. You feel like you're in that battle, though, don't yeah. you? Yeah, sweating. Like he's it. getting all ripped up and stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm sweating, my thumbs are hurting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot tighter game, isn't it, all, all around, It's I just think. so yeah. much better. It's, there's, no, there's no chaff in it. Learned, there's no you know, shite. Yeah, the criticisms from the first one. I'd rather have a 10-hour banger than a 20-hour... That's it, and it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. Spider Man's really good. Yeah, took, Miles Morales is better. Took me about thirteen hours to get through all, 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 all in, just because I did. I did some of the side stuff, just because yeah. I was just enjoying it. Uh, but yeah, much, mm. much tighter experience. And I much preferred it. So I found myself kind of then stuck, like, okay, what do I play next? I've got an Xbox, I've got a PlayStation, oh. I've got Game Pass, I've got PSN. It's like, what do I do? So I decided, you know, what? I'm going to try and play a game that uh, I wanted to play for a little while. So I downloaded Ghost of Tsushima on the PS5. Oh, I. And it's a very beautiful game. It looks good. It's one of the prettiest games I've ever played. Yes. Uh, I got through the first kind of opening three or four hours of it, and I fell off it because I realised I did not give two shits about the narrative. 
Mm-hmm. Did you get kicked off a bridge? It did feel like a butt was coming there. The way yeah, you were I well, positioning that. Yeah, because because basically, I, I got to, I got to the point where I'd kind of climbed up to this kind of um, temple thing to do an offering that gives you a bonus. I'm looking out over this world. I'm thinking this is a very pretty game. This is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. The the world is stylized in such a gorgeous way. Like the tr- the trees, the the grass, everything is just so gorgeous. And then I got the to the wind. next cutscene, and Jin opens his mouth. And I just thought, I don't care, you little shit. Like, he is just, he is the worst. He's not likeable, is he? He is the worst fucking samurai because he, he, he's he got these boneheaded ideas of family honour and shit like that when his entire island's been taken over by the fucking Mongolians. And the storyline is just that South Park episode. It's just, it it's just the shitty walk episode of South Park. Um, <laughs> so, but I, also the combat's really basic and I kind of just wasn't feeling it. Um, it's a shame, mate, because it gets better. I'm sure it does, but it, it's but it, 25 hours later it gets better. Yeah, when that's, you become the, that's the thing. Ninja. These big open world games need to grab me in the first few hours, otherwise I'll lose yeah. interest because I'm not going to commit that amount I of time to it. That game, that game, unfortunately, you stay a samurai for too long. Yeah. When when you become a ghost, that's when the game really becomes fantastic and. You're not doing all these sword fights all the time because you're a ninja. Yeah, like the stealth, me- the stealth mechanics didn't work that well for me, and it was all very basic, and it, it had so much more potential. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, if this had the combat of Sekiro, I'd be into it more. And then I thought... And then? And then I thought, <laughs> I still haven't finished Sekiro, so I went back to Sekiro. And um, I'm getting on with it this time. I'm, I'm doing much better than when I was streaming it in 2021. How dare you? I was aiding you at every step of the way. Well, yeah, but I think not having people watching me while I'm doing it and then just getting really frustrated with it helps. When you're when you're in the when you're you were streaming, you went right, Oodles. How do I cheese this? Yeah, because <laughs> you've done it four hundred <laughs> times. I went, mm, yeah, there you least, go. Like yeah. the snake eyes. Remember the snake eyes in the swamp? Yep, that did her first time with that exact cheese. <laughs> Um, yes, jeez. So, uh, Sekiro, if you don't know about it, I'm sure we've talked about it a fair few times, but uh, From Software's kind of redheaded stepchild of a game, not that it's not liked or anything like that, it's just different to the Souls games. Um, it takes a few little bits of the Souls combat, but it's, most, it's, it's mostly a very narrative game. There are cutscenes, there is dialogue, there is an easy-to-follow story. There's still kind of layers of It was originally going to be Tenchu, wasn't it? Yeah, it was originally going to be a Tenchu game, because From Software were involved with the original Tenchu. A- Activision. Um, uh, an Activision, but then it became kind of its own thing. Um, the combat is breathless. It's so good because you are encouraged not necessarily to do the Dark Souls thing, which is hold your shield up, wait for an opening stab, or walk around the back of them and stab them in the arse. You, mm. are, you are a very well-trained samurai, shinobi rather, shinobi, who is fighting Ninja. against very well-trained shinobis and soldiers. Like, they're not yeah. going to fuck around. So the combat is all about deflection. So you have to basically time your time parries back and forth till you till you can break a posture meter. Once you break the posture meter, you can kill them. Simple as that. Um, and it means the fights are energetic. They are fast. Um, I've did one of the bosses I did the other day uh, beat Lady Butterfly, who I wasn't able to beat on the first time I played it. I just couldn't get the rhythms of her. I put my controller down and my hands were shaking at the end of it. Like, it's an adrenaline rush. Like, I was sweating. Boss. <laughs> I mean, it was a great fight. I absolutely loved the fight, but it was just like, it's that you sit and concentrate so much because she's a fast boss and she, like, leaps around the room. So you're having to time against 
against all these hits that she's doing and trying to keep the rhythm right. It, it's Effectively, it's fucking Guitar Hero with swords because you have mm-hmm. to keep the rhythm of whatever you're fighting. Um, oh, yeah, it's def- definitely a rhythm game. Yeah. And I think what I like about it compared to Ghost of Tsushima as well is Wolf, the main the character you play, he's a bit of nothing, but he's just... He's being told where to go, and he goes and does it. Fine. Hey, he's like original Solid Snake, isn't he? <sighs> yeah. He's just and <sighs> and repeats everything back as a question. The divine. I've never. I, I, the dragon. I don't rot. know his. I, I, I've never. That's the thing. I've only seen his English voice when I've watched people streaming it. He's, he, even his Japanese voice is. <sighs> do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like that guy's gruff. Oh yeah, very gruff. Um. But I like that it kind of leans into kind of yokai stuff and um, a lot of the kind of the supernatural lore and uh, mythology from Japan. You know, like you start most of the game, you're fighting Ashina soldiers. But then as you kind of get maybe past the halfway point, and like I'm just getting into it now, you start getting slightly more monstrous creatures. And um, Mate, they're all sorry, beautifully it's not designed. the halfway point, that. <laughs> but okay, the point I'm at then. You've got a lot more to do. I know. But basically, basically, when you get to the point where you're supposed to fight Genichiro, and I didn't, I fucked off somewhere yes. else. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fucked off till I couldn't go any further without beating Genichiro. Yeah, I'm. I'm you beat I'm, him yet? No, not yet. I got close. I, I got much closer than I ever have. Um, Shadow step. Yeah, I'm going to try that next time I play. Just, it's one of those fights again. It's an endurance test because he's got three stages, and you run out of things very quickly. Yeah, it does. It does that from soft classic where three stage boss fight. You don't get healed. <laughs> you've got all the the health guards. You've got they've got to carry you throughout the, that three step. Yeah, three but he's stages. got three fucking health bars, and then he starts hurling yep. lightning at you. Yep, what a bastard! It's a nasty game. It's a nasty game. But the second it clicks, mate, which is yeah, which I is think... what's, what's been happening for me. Like I, I've been getting through bosses where when I first played them, they I really struggled with them, and I've been just rollicking them first time now. I mean, granted, it's because yeah. I know how to beat them, but. It's like the Ash- the Ashner Elite, who is the the one in the room below Genichiro. First round. Oh yeah, the kick. Yeah, yeah, and he's just yeah, just because I knew the trick and like the rhythm to deflect him, and he went down immediately, and that's fucking great. So yeah, I'm back into and it's it's the it it's the one FromSoft game I haven't finished, so I'm determined to get an ending in it. I don't need to get the best ending, but I just need to get an ending, and then it's off me plate. It's been this just, one just be, just, been hanging over me since 2019. I don't know if you already know, but you can end the game halfway through it. Don't do that. Oh no, I'm not. I'm. I'm I am not going to do the one where you give where you give Kuro to L. I'm not doing that. Oh, you know that. You know this. Thing. Yeah, I, I know the endings. I've watched enough playthroughs of it. Like I know. I know the endings. That's I'm, fine, then, mate. I'm not going to be the dickhead that, that that gives the kid to the to the bad man. Wow, I I made that mistake first time round. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Deck him. He's doing my head in. <laughs> But uh, yeah, other than the big thing, that's what I've been doing this week. Candy! Yeah, I've had a busy week this week, actually. I haven't done the big thing, so I won't do none of that, but I did um, I did have a busy one. So the first thing I'll just touch on briefly. Um, so you know the BBC proms are happening at the moment. So normally they would play the last night of the proms on TV, but there's actually, they do about six weeks of it, and it's all different types of music. Yeah. Well... This year they've done, for the first time, they've done video game music. They've done a video game music prom. So I watched that the other day. They showed it on BBC4 and you can stream it now. Um, And it was incredible. They did music from Journey, Battlefield, Pokemon, 
all sorts. It's really, really pretty, really good concert. And if you have any sort of interest in the orchestral side of music and games, really, really worth watching if you can. Um, but one of the main things I did, I went to the cinema and I saw Bullet Train. And this, ah. is, based, this is based on a comic by Maria, uh, the comic called Maria Beetle by Kotaro Isaka. Um, it stars Brad Pitt as Ladybug. Um, he's an assassin that's he, he's called in to do a job, but the reason he's been called in is that he's a replacement for another assassin who's called in sick. He's got like a stomach bug or something. <laughs> so there's been barely any promo for this. I, I, I knew nothing barely about it promo. going in. I've not been constantly seeing adverts for this for the past six fucking months. I've seen nothing. Yeah, I've, I've saw... seen the trailer every time I've been to the cinema to see something. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like every YouTube video I click on. Well, every, train. So every, it every YouTube video, to me. like five times a day on TikTok. It's been all over the fucking place. So I stand corrected. So there's been loads of promo for this. <laughs> I hadn't seen any of it. <laughs> so I went in knowing barely anything. Um, but it's it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. It's just a complete. It's it's a brainless action. It's it's comedy. I don't know if. You really get that from the trailer, but it is basically comedy. And it's I just I enjoyed it so much more than I was expecting. Um and it's it's basically like do you remember the really, really fun parts of Smoke and Aces? And then it turned into a bit no. of a bummer at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that film at all. Well the, I mean it's the kind of it's basically like the collection of assassins, basically. You get that part of it. Um but it is fun, like I said, there's not a big, massive kind of downer at the end like Smoking Aces. Um, it has kind of Guy Ritchie vibes, or it was almost kind of mimicking Guy Ritchie, which to begin with kind of put me off a little bit because um, it wasn't doing it quite as well. But it, is, it won me round. Um, Brad Pitt's acting, quirky Brad Pitt. There's some really, really fun cameos as well. Um, don't look up the cast. Leave it as a surprise if you're going to watch it because there's some really good surprises. But yeah, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting and um, just good brainless fun, like I said. Um, the main thing I've done I... this week is a Netflix documentary called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. Mate, I watched this this afternoon. My God. <laughs> so, what a train wreck. It really was. So do you remember the documentary Firefest? You all yep. remember it, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. It's That's like, nothing. <laughs> it's like Firefest, but this is so much worse. Really? It's um, it's, oh, yeah. it's oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woodstock 99 was... It's notorious. Yeah. See, I, again, I didn't know. The I fall think of humanity was called in the papers. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So it, it happened before I was really into the kind of music scene, because it was 99, so it would have been about 13. So I wasn't quite aware of anything happening. Before but... I were born, that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah same um so it's a three-part series it's it's one um one hour is um based on each day of the festival and so what they were trying to do is is re recapture the spirit of woodstock back as it was in the day um and now it ended up being they hosted it on complete tarmac on this in this airplane hangar this military yep. air base military base yeah as as far away as far removed as you could possibly imagine, the original Woodstock. It was New York State, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think somewhere, somewhere up there. Um, just blazing hot, no shelter, nothing. And as they were putting this together, they they sold the rights, or they had to give up the rights um, to the food vending. 
I don't know if it was part of the contract with the state that they had to have local food vendors, whatever it was, they didn't have any control over how much the food was being sold for. And it was completely extortionate. So bottles of water were like $4. The entire thing. Yeah. The entire thing was a complete money-making scheme. And again, just not even slightly, not even remotely in the spirit of the original Woodstock. Yeah, which was peace and love, wasn't it? Yeah, and and this was not peace and love. So they, they put together the lineup, which was... In fairness to them, it was what was popular at the time, but it was a lot of um, new rock. metal acts, rock. So they had three, <laughs> three metal acts as the, he- the headliners or very near the top of each um, act each day. And now the, the, the first day, so the first hour I watched it, I was like, you know, this, this doesn't seem so bad. Like it was, it's quite rowdy. So Korn start playing and throughout the thing, they're saying, you know, they're interviewing the audience and they're like, you know, who are you coming to see? Who are you coming to see? And everyone's saying corn, corn, corn. Corn, come on. And the entire floor, 200,000 people, whatever it is, it just, the entire thing becomes a mosh pit. And they're all talking about, you know, how awful it is and how this has descended into chaos. I'm like, it, it seems pretty rough, but it seems like a fucking good show. And I don't really know what this documentary is trying to make out like you know everyone's just kind of dancing and moshing and that's just how it is um so it yeah it's it, I, I was like well i don't need to watch this kind of thing then we get on to day two so <laughs> day that's two, what i like as well i was like oh, this isn't so bad yeah it looked f- kind of fun i would have gone take my, my own food i'd have been fine so by day two there was no working toilets there was oh shit water all over the floor. All the drinking water was contaminated. Scorching Cholera, hot. Mate. It was something Cholera. like a... Yeah. Scorching hot. 1999. Like, <laughs> it was like 100 degrees. People were passing out. No, no water to be had anywhere. So people are already kind of pissed off and they're not well and they're on day two of this binge and staying up. And so Limp Biscuit come on as the almost headliner of the second day. And riled them all up. They played break stuff, and they yeah, did start to break stuff. Break. So they all we're started pulling to, rigging down, weren't they? they so at this point, they were they were climbing up the sound towers, and yeah. and they're sort of desperately radioing to the main office, like kids are coming up. We don't know what to do, and they basically got them surrounded. Um, <laughs> and they blamed Fred Durst as well. They were they were like, well, what we didn't count on was that Fred Durst is an asshole. Fred Durst, <laughs> yes, is an asshole. But Fred Durst was putting on a Limp Biscuit show. It's not, you know, it's not sweetness and light. You're you're playing break stuff to a bunch of teenagers and, and tweenagers that are angry and fucked off and hot and haven't had they any. They actually sleep. likened it to World War Z. Do you know the bit where that's <laughs> right? Zombies are cl- Everyone's climbing just climbing on each up. other. <laughs> yeah. Imagine so, being on sound tower going, "No, we're gonna die." Fuck that Woodstock. shit. Absolutely. I mean, would you want to be yeah. around that many Limp Bizkit fans? I wouldn't want to I mean, be around that's Limp Bizkit in general. That, yeah, that's all <laughs> they were back in the day, Limp Bizkit fans. Um, so Ugh. kind of fast forward to that evening, and when all the acts have finished, they have this all-night um, rave tent. Um, and, of course, when you've got all this pent-up energy and stuff, everyone goes to this rave tent that um, happens all night. And Get that night, Fat Boy, Slim, Fat Boy Slim was playing. And as he was playing, he sort of notices in the distance these lights and they commandeered. I don't know if it was an ambulance or if it was like a sort of um, SUV type truck. I think it was an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And um, there's kids dancing on it and everything. And they're like, this, 
this has to shut down kind of thing. This can't happen. And then things sort of really take a sort of sinister turn at this point because they um, they open the ambulance and someone's obvious, very obviously been assaulted in there. Yeah. So so day three, um, they have this, I, I don't know if it's an impromptu press conference, but this pre- a press conference is held and they completely kind of skim over everything that's gone, gone wrong. And it's very publicly gone wrong as well because they're interviewing, MTV are actually interviewing the audience and of course the audience are playing up to it because it's being broadcast live on mtv but they're also saying this is shit this we're paying all this money and they're just treating us like animals basically and animals are what they were becoming but they do this press conference and reporters have got hold of it this information like what are you doing to keep the crowd safe what are you doing to look after people what are you doing about water and people passing out they're like well it's it's just a few bad bad apples ruining it for everyone and you know, it's not, it was a few bad apples. It was a lot of bad apples, and it's also a, a lot few of thousand really, bad really apples. Pissed, really, really pissed off. Yeah. So it, this press conference ends with the mayor. Um, I think it's the mayor of um, the state inviting them back. With you know, they were like, "This this has been a really successful venture. We'll look forward to you coming back next year." Thinking, you know, it's the last day. Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> go wrong. It did. So again, most vendors at this point were out of stock and the ones who did have water and stuff, they're charging $12 a bottle. And, that, you know, people still angry about being ripped off. The, and they the were water, little, little stumpy bottles of water, weren't they? Yeah, they weren't even the proper ones. And they also, right at the beginning of the festival, they wouldn't allow people to bring in their own crates of water, like not even water. No. Like beer is one thing, when, no, no water. They didn't stop nothing. them bringing in absolute fuck tons of weed though, did they? Every single drug under the sun, and some that I haven't even heard of, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So um, the local authorities had been round and they tested the drinking water that was supposedly available, and where they'd placed it was right outside the bogs that had been leaking, and every single sample that they tested had feces in it. All, all of it was shit water. Whoa, like People oh. were getting what's called trench mouth, Whoa. which is as bad as you might think. You, all your mouth gets cracked up and your tongue dries up. It's Disgusting. Just- yeah, it doesn't bear thinking about. So so that evening, they kind of um, end the show with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And so throughout, the, throughout all the festival, they're saying, you know, there's going to be a secret act at the end of the thing. You know, Prince is coming on, Michael Jackson. They were, the, the whole crowd was pumped for something special to happen after the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing. During the um, Chili's playing, what one of the crew, one of the higher-ups in the crew decided to do without the consent of the fire department or anyone else, apparently, was that they handed out something like 100,000 candles so that they could supposedly have this kind of like um, like a mass type thing, like bringing back the spirit of Woodstock. Sigil. Again. The vigil, that's the word I'm looking for, thank vigil, you. Vigil, that's it, not sigil. Yeah. Vigil, vigil, vigil. So sure enough, this uh, fire breaks out or is set, or probably set. <laughs> um, the fire brigade refused to go and see it because they're too scared to go into this crowd, so they don't put the fire out. And multiple multiple fires start breaking out. It, essentially, it became a full scale riot. Walls were being broken down. <laughs> an entire lighting rig is brought down, like a, one of those huge ones. Um, the merchant vendor village was completely flattened. It just it went completely into a sort of mob mentality mentality. People just became tribal. They became animals. It was just Lord of the Flies, and I think they're just, they just ended up. They did, the, the actual uh, documentary didn't go into the 
people that were, they were like, I think it was like 200 people were arrested for, um, what did they say, Dark Ages style raping and pillaging. Yeah. Which is well, fucking disgusting. They sort of... Oh, they, mate, they, they, they went animalistic. These people just went insane. And they all yeah. blame it on mescaline and drugs and stuff like that. It's just, fuck off. Well, it was a combination of that and then just, it, just everything got out of hand and it just shows how quickly things do get out of hand when, you know, everyone's doing, you just join in because, you know, they're robbing these vendors blind. They're ripping up the ATM machines. They're smashing them open. Everyone's stealing money. Like, you wouldn't think of doing that if you're just walking down the street. But everyone else oh. is doing it. So just join in. And what they also didn't, um, I looked this up after, and I don't think they touched on it on the show, was the, um, there were multiple deaths as well. Yes. I don't think they even kids, said kids that on were the killed. documentary. Yeah. But it's just absolute, like, I have not seen anything like it. This, <clears throat> this documentary is incredible just to see that the four, like how quickly things can descend into chaos when you just completely misread your audience for a start. When you treat people like animals and you just don't have the infrastructure to deal with what could possibly happen, it's just, it's unreal. I, c- I can't believe it. It, it is it is eye opening and and it's such a sobering watch as well. Mm. It's shocking. And Netflix dramatise it a little bit too much for my liking as a documentary. And you'll never believe what happened next. That kind of thing. Yeah, there was but, a little bit of that, but well, it's I didn't believe what happened yourself. Next. Yeah, look into it yourself if you... There's, there's accounts of people like... There's a guy... I remember watching this years ago. There's a guy that got uh, burned on his face and basically he's, he's hideous, you know what I mean? He's been proper disfigured from it. And it's like... and It's like, I'll never, I'll never forgive um, the, the event organizers. And it was the guy that organized the original. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like... Just want to get paid, didn't he? Same as Firefest, think- just... I think they probably just didn't realise what the, that size of crowd would be like these days. Again, new metal's dangerous. I've told everyone this. <laughs> it needs to be stopped. Satan music. Um, yeah, music for Satanists. Right, let's talk about the main thing. Um, let's, I'm conscious of time. I don't think our main topic's going to be as long as usual ones, so we can go on a little bit longer on this. Um, we all, apart from Candy, watched... A surprise hit, really. Oh yes, in my opinion, Prey, which is the prequel to Predator, the Predator franchise. And I don't think we're including Alien versus Predator. That's its own. No, different, uh, different continuity. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Prey. Um, I'll start with my thoughts on it. Um, do you know what I really liked about this? Mm-hmm. It's respect for Native American culture. It's yes, world building at the beginning. The fact that every person was Native American that played it. Every French person was French that's in it. And every predator was an alien in it. <laughs> every predator was a predator in it. <laughs> so I respect that. I really do. Um I'm not I don't think I love it as much as you guys, but I really liked it. Um I kind of preferred the uh, Comanche stuff to the actual predator itself. I really would have liked to see um her maybe the bear be the uh, the antagonist and just a, a standard Native American film. I think it'd have been cool, but the twist, obviously, with the Predator is is fantastic, isn't it? It's they got it right. They got they really did get it right. What do you guys think? I adored it. I thought it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, best Predator film since the first one. Yeah, mm. I agree. In, in fact, I think at some moments it surpasses the first one. Like the the in terms of like I guess 
skill of direction, cinematography, and stuff like that. Like, um, the film looks gorgeous. There's Stunning. a there's a there's a scene quite early on um, where uh, the, the the main character Naru, she's hunting a mountain lion, and oh, and they're, and basically she she's kind of perched up on this branch, and the mountain lion's on the other side of the tree. And it's against like uh, the black night sky, and it's just it looks fucking stunning. It's lit sensationally, and it's not lit with like a floodlight or anything. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> I genuinely don't know how they did it. Black magic. Yeah, um, probably. It, it does. It genuinely does look stunning. And, uh, even I mean, I think it was all um, shot on set, as uh, shot on location as well, wasn't it? None of yeah, it's, it's all, it's all, all none in of it's, all around Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah, I think it's it's fucking beautiful, man. I can't argue with that at all. Um, I like that the the predator was used reasonably sparingly, like most most like the of the first film. Yeah, like the first one. Most of the time, the predator is in his he's cloaked. Um, you don't really see you don't get a full shot of him until maybe an hour into the film, and it's only a ninety minute long film. Yeah, that's what I did like the pace. Yeah, very <laughs> pa- very pacey film, and it's a tight ninety as well. Like it doesn't fuck around with any. It, yeah. it doesn't waste any time at all. You, you don't get, have to stay after the credits, guys. No. You get full character development. You get gorgeous, quite long action scenes as well. Like some of the fight choreography is off the charts. Yeah. Um, uh, Amber, Amber Midthunder, who plays Nauru, she's spectacular. Apparently she did most of the stunts herself. Yeah, she's great. Like, really, um, I found her really captivating. Like, mm-hmm. just in her eyes as well. Like, they just... They just Properly drew you in, and even though she was so young, she still had this air of like wisdom to her. Yeah, yeah, which is, and- which, which is rare to see. It's like she, it is a coming in age, coming of age film, isn't it? At, at the heart of it, yeah. But she was mature from the start, and I think it's quite endearing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and it's no like secret really that like, this film does kind of pit her off against the predator. That's Obviously, pretty much that's pretty yeah. pretty obvious it's in the trailer, and and. <laughs> I think the film does a really good job of setting up and showing her hunting and combat skills as to why she's able to like fight the predator. And you know, it's not as if it's just her, there are other people around. It's not just her going hand to hand with the predator, but they do a good job of her using the environment, using her announce and and say, and noticing things and using the environment and things around her. And yeah, it's, um, it's just great. I really, really enjoyed it. As uh, Gadget already touched on, the cinematography, the sound design, I thought it looked stunning. CGI, maybe a little shonky in parts, but it wasn't yeah. really. It wasn't it ruined it. bad that you'd ru- it ruined it or anything. Um, I think. I, 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 I think the, the the worst bits of the CGI were during night scenes anyway, so you can be forgiven for you know they were a bit yeah. dark anyway. Like when just things the animals well, looked a bit. The animals looked terrible. The snake, especially. I, I, I didn't think the animals looked terrible. I just think that uh, the snake, I think the mountain lion looked shocking. The uh, the bear thought looked fine. Um, yeah. That the moment by the river, I don't want to spoil because I didn't know that was coming. I didn't watch any incredible. of the trailers for this because people said don't watch the trailer because there's a load too much in it. I didn't watch a single trailer for this film, which is very rare for me. And the is. moment down by the river, and I was just like, "Fucking yes, <laughs> this is mint." <laughs> Absolutely loved that bit. So yeah, I, I really like them. The, the idea of pitting them against Native Americans and uh, how do you do that when it's not people with big guns and machine guns and things like that? And I think they did 
I think they did that really well as well. And the the way they handled the predator being having more tech, but because it's set in the past, he's not as advanced. It was a as primitive the, version, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's not as advanced as the ones we see. His helmet, especially, by the way, in the predator films we used to. And I thought that was really was well yeah. done. His helmet was great. I loved that. I I did yeah. think that maybe it was a callback to the original predator design. Apparently, it was just um, he wanted it to look more like it a was um, a few. A f- yeah, it did look uh, absolutely. It, there was a few um, Twitter comments I noticed where they said, "I don't like how the predator looked in this." Clearly, they don't know about the like the the, the lore of the uh, predator species where the, they nearly all look different from Predator One to you know what I mean. They all look completely different. Well, they're in, they're, they're individuals. All- they're individuals. Yeah. It's like it's like why would you expect every single one of them to look identical? I don't look like you guys. You know what I mean? Apparently, me and Biggie look alike. Look... <laughs> you do, you do, you do. But it's, yeah, I, it's I, one of those I, things. I totally that did look completely different. I totally applaud the direction they took. Like you say, set in seventeen nineteen. You know, just moving away completely from what all the other movies are kind of done. It was just like let's do something completely different. I thought the setting was fantastic. Totally agree about the cinematography. Um, everyone that acted in it was really good. Um, I just the only thing I personally had an issue with was a bit of American speak when they were talking. Some of the characters. Uh, I there's didn't watch one that scene version. where where her brother um, says something to her and he says, "Oh, I've got this," and it's just kind of that. Just comes I watched the Comanche version, that, so I was told to watch it. Yeah, that pulled me out a little bit out of. Um, what they were doing and talking about that, that that was a shame but yeah i just i just thought considering the incredible predator one i do like predator two personally i think that's fine the rest of the Why? movies are what they are <laughs> i just think this has just come back round to giving the ip something different and do something good with it i don't think anyone will be disappointed seeing this at all if you're a fan of the predator you know it's and like you say, after an hour into the movie, we all know if you've seen the movie before, you know it's going to be a predator. That's the whole point. You're watching this. You know that there's going to be a predator in it. So they didn't muck around with trying to hide it too much. It was cloaked, but we knew what it was doing. We knew, you know, the background of what a predator does. Yeah, It hunts for sport and all that kind of thing and a bit of honour as well. And yeah, it was just, I thought it was done really, really well. And the little other stories that go on without ruining anything as well were really good as well. I think it all tied it up neatly. Yeah, together. That's, Nothing that's was my favorite that thing movie. about the predator like mythos in general is the fact that predators have a code of conduct which they've stuck by, mm. which is fantastic. Yep. They won't. If you are sat there on a sofa, it won't kill you. Yeah, if you're sat there on a sofa a with a gun pointing at it, you're gonna get fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I, I respect that they respect that. So it was interesting what you said there, Biggie, because the director didn't want people to know this was a predator film. He wanted yeah, people to but, watch it. And the Predator appear and be like, fuck, it's a Predator film. But the studio were like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, because... and they give it away with a fucking logo. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the, the well, problem exactly. is, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. We, all four of us would, and as harsh as to say it, all four of us wouldn't have watched this on the, on the weekend it opened if we hadn't known it was a Predator film. Yeah. yeah what a fuck. So that's why. <laughs> I mean, I, I, if I'd have not known it was a Predator film and listened to a review and someone says, watch this film, it's really good and it's got a great twist and you'll be really surprised, I'd, I'd watch it. But mm. I, I initially just told you Predator film. Watch it. Yeah, well, I watched it night one because it was a Predator it film. Also it, proves the, well. um, it also proves the, uh, with, with the with the law with the species as well that 
Yes, uh, Predators did go back and fight Abraham Lincoln because it's one, one of the books. <laughs> so it must have happened. If See, this happened, that happened. What what this shows now is we can do put a Predator in any time zone and uh, any time. Uh, mate, they've done it with the Predator. Do we want a Predator versus once. Samurai? Yeah, we'll do. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll do predators yeah. versus some fifties gangsters. Yeah, let's do that. I'd love to, I'd, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd love to see see Predators in feudal Japan. That would be fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. Or, or you know, Predator, Predator versus Jurassic World. Let's just make that happen. It can only improve <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> there was one thing I wanted to quickly mention was that um, they also show that, um, particularly with Naru's character, how she's always learning and she realises that the weapons that she uses need something else to make it a bit more effective. And how she comes up with that, something happens to her, she realises, oh, that's quite useful, turns it into something that she can use, and it's so cool. When she yeah. does, the way she turns. I've got a question. She spends a lot of time guys. trying to get to a chopper, doesn't she? That's <laughs> 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 yeah, I've got a question because I watched the Comanche version, so I was told to watch that, which is dubbed with Comanche language. Which it's no, it's it's it's, it's 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 not dubbed. They acted each scene twice, once in English, yeah, once in Comanche. No, it's, it's not it's yeah. dubbed. I was, thought it were dubbed because the, the, the lips weren't sinking. Yeah, yeah. that's the point. I was, re- was one... re- reading the making of that they um, did performed each scene twice. There was one subtitle, I think. There was there was a subtitle on it that said, and it's kind of a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I don't know how he said it in the American language version, but I'm imagining it's how I imagine. He said, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Is that right, exactly yeah. how he said it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, spoiling it for the people, man. <laughs> I don't care. It's a fucking one line, but in the Comanche version, I thought, is that just? A joke for the subtitle. No, no, no. no it, 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 it is in there, and it's said in the English version quite earnestly. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, no, no. Yeah. no. Kill it. <laughs> well, it's it, it, it's one of those lines that it's it's in there subtly, and it's done well enough because it's not like a no one wink to the camera kind of moment. It's just he says <laughs> yeah. it, you know. He says it, and I it makes it was context in the scene. Being funny. I, you know, I just want to one last thing from me on this is. Obviously, a certain corner of the internet as how can a, a young uh, girl go against a predator? And uh, the film, as I've said already, perfectly explains how this could happen. Yeah, and she's not on when, her you, own. when you look back at it, right, none of those big muscular men could take down the predator. Arnold was the only one left, and he had yep. to use his knout and his brains and his teachings of like combat skills to beat it. He didn't beat it hand to hand and with a gun. No. He no, had to none learn. Of them had. Nobody to, has. Yeah. He had to learn how to beat the predator. So it's not it's it's easily conceivable that if you know your environment, you know how to hunt, you know how to trap. It's- Every film's done the same thing where yeah. when it comes to the final showdown, the predator's not at his A game. He's not when he's just landed, he's weakened. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's lowest of the low. He's he's been fighting constantly. Same way even when Danny Glover defies the odds and beats beats a predator. It's because he's yeah. at his weakest. So there was you know no I mean? point, no point in this film where I thought this is unrealistic that this young girl man. could take down that predator because she was a fucking Comanche warrior. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, exactly. Thought she could take down a predator. She'd fuck fuck well, us up. Deadly and all fucking tribe in America. <laughs> She'd certainly fuck them up. Yeah, fuck. I'm up. not spoiling this for anybody, but oh my god, to some of the the fighting with the predator and his weapons. Mm. Yeah, how it's, good it's, was yeah. that? <laughs> Yeah, man. The um, it's a good film. Yeah, last couple of things I want to say. The the I like I like the way that the Comanche warriors were treated, like presented, like the actors themselves presented as people who would be hunters and people who run. Yeah. Like I was really happy to see that they didn't all look like Arnie. 
because I was kind of yeah. worried for a second they'd be these kind of like Hollywood they skinny, fi- weren't they? Hollywood fitness type guys. Well, they're not. They were skinny. They were hunters. They were fast. They were live. Yeah. You know, tall. I, I, yeah. I, re- I really like that because it's a much better choice than having them Hollywood buff. You know, um, yeah. These were people that their whole lives were. People stay at home, gather. People go out hunt because we don't have food every day. That kind of people. Yeah. They can't be muscly. <laughs> yeah. And I do need to point out the quality of the dog acting. Yeah. That, that dog's oh, cool, best dog. man. Because Coco was a very, very good boy. He's a very good was boy. Was he called Coco? I was it called, called Coco. Sar. Yeah. Sari or something. I think, well, I, mean, I think maybe the well, actual I dog. Was, was sorry. Uh, I think, I think the, the actual dog, the actor, is Coco. his name is Coco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Coco's a good dog. Yeah. Good dog. Yeah, he was, he was dog. awesome. Mm. Excellent. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's weird that it didn't come out in cinemas, but I ain't complaining. Yes. I got to and, watch it. I'm, there, I'm yeah. a little sad that I won't get to see it on the big screen because I think it'll look incredible yeah. on the big screen. I, I think it's seen that well, IMAX. I just didn't think they wanted to uh, have that marketing budget behind it, did they? they didn't yeah. want to, just in case. But it's, um, it's already people are already loving it. Loads of people watched it forums yeah. and, and people that I know, that my friends who are big cinema buffs, like just have all back, like reviewed it and on Letterbox yeah. and stuff. And four of us have watched it. Like it's. I'd like to see the streaming figures when they come out on how well it's done. I reckon it's, I reckon it's one of Disney Plus's biggest. I it's, think so as it's, well. It's, it's one of Disney Plus's best reviewed. I mean, it's sitting at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's... Um, That's awesome. It's ju- uh, just over 70, 70 on Metacritic. I'm into it. Did you it, catch I, the I, I, uh, Easter egg at the end of the credits as well? Yeah, yeah. People yeah. were saying, if um, is it yeah. Dan Trachtenberg that made it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they were saying, should he do another? But I think... He's okay just doing this one. Let somebody else tackle another. Yeah, era I, 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 I think I, I think Trachtenberg because he's he did Ten Cloverfield Lane. He's done this. I think he yeah. just needs to like kind of just pop around franchises where they've gone off yeah, the mark and yeah. just like fix them. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the eye for it. Yeah. Right. He has. Alien really got the eye for it. <laughs> yeah, give him an alien. Oh, Let's see what he can I'd, do with Alien. I'd take a Trachtenberg Alien. I reckon he'd take it back to basics. Yeah, I like him. Fuck I like off, him. Ridley. Guy. Excellent, excellent. So. I'm going to hand over to Gadget for the main topic. Probably won't be as long as usual because we're just reviewing stuff. Yeah. Review, 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 review. It's <laughs> the review episode. So, uh, yeah, last last week, if, you, if, if you're not a patron, um, you won't have heard that we all picked albums and uh, uh, for other people to listen to. Very, very, very simple thing. And some of them were trolly, some of them were earnest, some of them were weird. So, <laughs> who wants to go first? Who am I going to pick to go first? I know, I know who I want to hear from first, Biggie. <laughs> who got you? What okay. album did you get? Fine. And what did you think? <laughs> so Stiggy, um, according to himself, had a, a few ideas of what he was going to drop for me and then ended up picking this one for me, <laughs> which was Keep the Faith, a 1992 album by John Bon Jovi, or sorry, Bon Jovi, <laughs> featuring John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Yeah, Not this so. is pretty much out of my comfort zone. It's not the sort of 
album I would probably listen to in general. Um, I certainly didn't listen to it when it came out. Um, yeah, so I made a few notes. I just basically listened to the album a few times and just made some uh, little bit of notes as I went through. So it has 12 tracks. So I'm just going to go through each track, just a bit of thought on each one. <laughs> Similar to ours, So the first it? track is I Believe. It's got a nice build-up. Quite enjoyed the, the start-up to the song, and then it just turned into a generic rock track for me. It was just screechy vocals, and it went on for a bit too long. <laughs> just, yeah. It, it was a really generic rock track for me. Just didn't think much of it at all. Um, track two was the title of the album, Keep the Faith. I like this because I actually remember hearing this when this came out. So as soon as it started well, playing, like I was like, oh, yeah, I've, like that. I've heard this. I don't know if it was um, a hit song or if it came from a, a movie or something, but it was, yeah, like, I liked it. Yeah, I, it's I, part I of the greatest, track. greatest hit stuff. So. And it had a, a bit of a weird vibe for me. It reminded me a little bit of like the Stone Roses and like a stereophonics kind of feel to the track, in my opinion. Um, nice chorus. And I added it to my rock values. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. My next track was three, uh, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Um, I just put Yawn. Uh, it just sounded like a... <laughs> I'll Yawn When I'm it Dead. Yawn! Like... It's fucking great! Yeah. Well, maybe to you, but I'm reviewing it. It sounded like a credits <laughs> roller from an action film for me. It just, yeah, I didn't think anything of this at all. As I listened to it, I imagined the credits rolling on some 80s action movie, and this was the song at the end. Yeah. I just wasn't impressed at all. What's wrong yeah. with them? They're usually, usually great tracks. <laughs> Don't like rock music, really. Um, so I know, so I've looked at your, songs, your rock playlist. Mr. A Generic Rock. Fuck me. That's the most generic rock <laughs> fucking playlist I've ever got, seen in got, my life. It's all Coldplay, all like Team Spirit. All the... Bad Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I listen to. So this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my players. Fuck off. Um, before, in the in these arms, uh, it sounds like an even poorer U2 track. Um, Rock Chips it's probably dug it. U2, but, yeah, it ain't for me. It just sounded like a generic love ballad to me in these arms. Yeah, they are. Five, uh, Better Roses. Um, oh, boy. Uh, I've got a, a quote from the lyrics here. With an ironclad fist, I wake up and French kiss the morning. <laughs> it's what pure cheese. kiss the morning. Oh, boy. <laughs> Worth pointing out, that was the first dance at my wedding. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, love that song. I think great. it's a beautiful song. It's a, it's a full-on proper cheesy love ballad. Yeah. I, I, I love, I you made love to that song, ballad, If not, you're missing it. I'm sure... I'm sure I've heard it um, at karaoke. You're right. It would oh, I'm going to make love to you to that song, Biggie. <laughs> I'm up for that. It's six and a half minutes of that as well. I mean, the guitar solo was all right. Yeah, guitar for me, was it was karaoke nightmare fuel. It was just like a oh. lovely song. This now, is a weird one, this next one. This is a This weird is my song. favorite one. <laughs> it's you a really weird mother. song. Does <laughs> he want to be a mother? What is going on here? The lyrics are so weird. The song is trying to be kind of like it's sexy, but the lyrics read so weird. Uh, I mean, is he a pedo or what? It says, like, <laughs> tell me there's no other to who you're telling secrets, and would you tell me about all the boys you've been bringing home to meet me? No, I think, I think, that no, I think the idea is meant to be um, that <laughs> you, uh, you don't, I mean, you don't communicate just... with a father as much as you do a mother, but Before it is a we weird song. I know, I get in case, that, um, but it just... Listen, in case John Bon Jovi's uh, lawyers are listening, 
Biggest views do not reflect the views of modern escapism. We are not calling yes, John Bon Jovi a pedo. Yes, <laughs> it's such a weird, weird song. It's just like, yeah, I know, I know the point you're making. It doesn't come across well at all. It's so weird. Great though. Yeah, don't understand that at all. Such a strange song. If I was your mother, it's so weird. So moving on. Why not? Um, seven. Dry County. Uh, it wasn't bad. Um, it was better than the ballads, but it went on for too fucking long. It's just under 10 minutes. Yeah, because that guitar that solo is like two minutes track. long. But yeah, it's you, fine. It's you nearly skin. gave your meat right. loaf. Yeah. I know, looking. I know. <laughs> um, eight, Women in Love. Uh, that was pretty decent. It was a foot tapper, head nodder. I quite liked it. I thought it was right. Uh, nine, Same Fear. Um, quite like that as well. Then number 10, as soon as I saw this in the track list, I Want You, I saw the song title and knew what was coming. Another ballad, sigh. <laughs> um, and then for, uh, nearly a penultimate 11, Blame It on the Love of Rock and Roll, Cowbells at Last. Yes. <laughs> um, corny title and track, uh, Weird Bit at the End, uh, when a decent guitar solo starts to play and then the song fades out. It's really weird. They get really going and the song just fades out. You can still hear it going in the background. Very strange. That was the 90s, mate. Uh, and then it finally finishes on 12. A little bit of soul. I really like that, actually. That was a good song to end on. There's some real kind of almost gospel-type singing going on. It was really cool. Really soulful uh, track. It was uh, pretty good. But yeah, just that album sounds dated to me. It's a real 1990, <laughs> 90s Oh, it's so dated. Like, it's... So um, out of my comfort zone completely. It's probably ranks as... It's not even my favourite album from them, but it's such a weird post eighties, early nineties where they can't they're still coming out the eighties, but and they haven't found their nineties mm. sound yet. So it's just it's a when weird Bon Jovi mixture. stopped wearing leather and they started putting cardigans on. Like these days it's a miles better album, more chilled out and, oh, yeah, it is, like, yeah. and uh the two before are much better slipper when wet and uh New Jersey are better. But this one's just a weird album. This is why I gave you it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always, I always found uh, Bon Jovi's fascination with cowboys strange to say they come from New Jersey. Mm. Odd, isn't it? But he's wanted, dead or alive. It's like me being yeah. great into Cockney stuff. I'm not. You've got. He um, sing that many. Their... that many cowboy songs. He sings like a cowboy. Yeah, there, there is. A, but I get that. There is that vibe. Western track. There's dry counties. Definitely sort of set in the a sort yeah. of western small town you, you so get that but yeah it just yeah just not for me I'm, I'm sorry what would you rate it out of 10 <laughs> probably middling 5 just it's a rock album oh, it's not the worst shit. thing I've ever heard in my life but it's a um, rock it's album put that on the back again. of the CD it's a rock album Karan's top 100 albums you must listen to before you die in 1998 the rock that is number 21 Kerrang. Wow. The be all and the end all. Much other choice. Rock music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it's not in Kerrang, it's not worth knowing. If it's not in Kerrang, it's not real. <laughs> oh, God. Didn't they have that slogan at one point? They did. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for that one. Thanks for that one, Biggie. I'm glad you, you survived the experience. It's great. Did you buy a leather jacket Fun. off the strength of it? Or some chaps. Oh, at least, some chaps. At least one. Track made it on the playlist, so there you go. I think that's good. I think Biggie's just jealous of your bon jo- John Bon Jovi's hair. That's where his hitch yeah, comes yeah, yeah, from. Yeah, that's it, Stig. 
Yeah. He's still to this day, uh, Bon Jovi still has good hair, even though it's short. He's still got good short hair. Mm. Because he's rich enough great. to have it put back in when it starts falling out. Yeah. Anyway. Why not? Why not? Uh, I'm going to go next because uh, uh, Biggie gave me the goats. Tricks of the shade. This is a 1992 album um, by the hip-hop group The Goats. Um, there, were, there were three pieces from oh, Pennsylvania, I think. Philadelphia. Hang on, yeah. I did have them up there. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yo, Adrian! Like Rocky. Sort of, yeah, but this is their, de- this is their debut <laughs> album, um, and it is a hip-hop concept album, which wasn't a thing that was done too often back then. Um, the backstory of it follows two characters, Chicken Little and Hang Ahead, as they make their way through, and I love this title, Uncle Scam's federally funded welfare and freak show, to find their mother who was jailed for attempting an illegal abortion. Whoa. Suffice to say, this album is incredibly politically charged. Yep. Um, it's 25 songs, tracks long, but probably only about 13 or 14 of them are actual songs. The rest are skits in between them. Yeah. Um, I, I had a hard time reviewing this one because there's a lot I like on it and there's a lot of things that frustrated me with it. Um, for, for a start, the, so the, 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 story, the story of the album is primarily done in the skits. And the skits are very well acted, very well put together. Some of them are quite funny to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of the songs don't carry the thread through. Um, the, so so the, the, it's almost like the narrative for the album is completely separate to some of the songs. Um, yeah. But I did like the sound of pretty much everything in it. So uh, the Goats were a band that were, qu- were quite unusual for hip-hop bands. They actually had a live band with them. So all the drums are real, the bass is real, the guitars, keyboards, all that is real. They use some samples, there is some DJ stuff, but everything is kind of underpinned by a real-life rhythm section rather than drum machines yeah. and synths. Early and roots kind of thing. The drummer is incredible, as is the bass player. Like, there's some really fucking incredible drum and bass playing on this. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I really like that. Um, the... I... I so some of the songs have incredible groove. Like "Typical American" is a fucking brilliant song. I absolutely loved that one. Oh, yeah, I knew you'd like that. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, "Wrong Pot to Piss In." Um, not not bad. Uh, "Burn the Flag," like stuff like that. Like I think this album kind of jumps out the most when it's what at "Burn it's... the Flag's about. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This album works its best. Uh, works best when it's the politically charged stuff. So, mm-hmm. like when they are taking aim at things, the, the they've got. Songs which I th- I think you would kind of class them as maybe like what you would have as the singles or the like party hip hop kind of songs as well. That kind of yeah, cool. they really stand out, don't they? They they, they stand out because they don't fit. So stuff like uh, coming in your ear, which they clearly they clearly got the got the phrase before Charlie FM did. How uh, have the spell coming? C U M I N with a. An <laughs> Of course they have. Cumin. So it could be cumin in your cumin. ear. Cumin. Could, could cumin. Pouring some spice in your ear. Yeah, it's a bit of cookery. Yeah, they're really big into the cooking. Yeah. Um, 
There's that one, uh, <laughs> Are You Down With The Goats and Got Kinda High. I don't like those songs because those, song, those songs are the, the kind of that braggadocious hip-hop stuff that I don't like and they're not yeah. following the story of the album or they're not kind of fitting with the theme of it. Um, but then you kind of they get like to... the driving songs that you've been driving down Rodeo. <sighs> kind of, yeah. yeah. It, and and yeah. it's frustrating because they have a good sound to them, those tracks. Like good beats, good bass, um, good samples. But yeah, I just don't think one of my favourites. But yeah, it's not, it's not in the theme of the uh, album. No, but I mean, then it brings it like Wrong Pot to Piss in, I think is absolutely incredible because I, I, was, I was getting to that point where like the skits around there and those three songs that preceded it were just kind of starting to get on my nerves. And then the beat comes in for Wrong Pot to Piss in and the chorus comes in and it's fucking heavy and it's really, really good. Uh, Do the Digs Dug, I think, is fucking brilliant. Uh, TV Cops is incredible because it is yeah. literally talking about it's, it's, it's that mix between the TV show Cops, which obviously was a huge hit in America, um, but, you know, it was sensationalising arrests and police chases. But then it's it's talking about, you know, what happens when the cameras turn off? What happens to us, you know? Yeah, police brutality and stuff. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Tricks of the Shade, the title track is great. Not not bad. I, I can't repeat any of the lyrics for it because it's one of those songs, but they are really, Obviously. really good. Yeah. It's like, it's well, the line is not not bad for a... And it's yeah. playing on the racism thing. Um, the characters that they go through in in this in this uh, carnival looking for Uncle Scam is great because it takes massive swipes at George Bush. So there's like a skit called Georgie Bush's Kids, where they're ripping the piss out of um, Jeb and George W. Uh, you've got Noriega's Coke Stand, which is what it sounds like. <laughs> but the, but the the, the 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 best my my favorite one just just for the pun of it, but also because it's actually it's a minute nine of dialogue and it's quite impactful within the story. Is uh, Roe v. Wade the sword swallower? Yeah. Because when because because when the ghetto says that ain't a sword, it's a coat hanger, and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was, that one hit hard, but it's 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 a really good album that just it doesn't quite hit the top. It doesn't quite hit the top for me. Um, There's there a reason a- why I chose it because. I hate skits on albums. I think they're so poorly done most of the time. There's so many albums out there, particularly a lot of hip hop, that have those really annoying little skits in between, which aren't funny. They're just you just want to go on to the next track, you know. And then yeah. some of the acting. I feel like, like you can't awful. drive about with it, and then a skit comes on. You yeah, skip yeah, yeah. It, aren't you? But I, I just think it. This is for a concept album. I thought it was just something that actually almost pulled it off. I thought it was that well done. Yeah, I think I think you could get away with a release of this without the skits, and it would still be a really good album. Because yeah, yeah, these, because the, 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 all the songs themselves, for all they are kind of very politically charged, it, it it would be like listening to like a Rage Against the Machine album. They're all kind of talking about oh. the same. They're all kind of talking about the same thing, but they're not necessarily connected in the same way. You know, it's not it's not like listening to I don't know War of the Worlds or something like that or Operation Mindcrime, where the songs lead into one another. They're individual songs, and then the narrative is given with the skits. But uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's not perfect. There are things I don't like about it, but I, I, overall, I quite enjoyed it. You'd like you might like their second album because they go even more rock based as well with rap. Yeah, it it, uh, it didn't. Would you, uh, well. What would you rate out of ten then, Gadget? I'd, I'd I'd give it an eight. I think that the, the, the oh, it's a, it, it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. There's just some things on it that. On nitpicky for me, it's basically those three songs. Are you down with the goats coming in, coming in your ear, and got kind of high? They just don't fit. You could have had them as B sides for singles, and it would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. So I that's. I like that. 
yeah, that's my one. Um, candy, 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 candy. I've been kind of waiting for this one because I know what your thoughts are on the artist you were given. Yeah, and I'll oh. go into that. So I got Sheer Heart Attack by Queen from Oodles. And obviously Queen obviously Queen no, need no introduction. I was slightly bemused when Oodles chose this album for me because I'm not the biggest fan of Queen. In fact, I actually really don't like them. <laughs> so it got me to think about what exactly it is that I don't like about them. And it it doesn't actually, I don't think it actually comes down to the music per se. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the flamboyance, which is ironic because I'm a, I am really love Ghost and they're pure flamboyance. Um, yeah, based on I, Bloody Queen. Yeah, but I just find them a little bit self-congratulatory. Um, it, it's, it's the kind of like Talking Heads Christmas shows. You know, you've got Roger Taylor and Brian May going over the same sort of anecdotes and, and patting themselves on the back almost and um, just try and find another band to talk about from the last 30 years maybe. You've got Eminem, Prodigy, Oasis, anyone. Um, I should point out there's just absolutely nothing against Freddie. The man was just an absolute pure showman. It's, it's just not necessary for me. But that said... I realised I have never actually heard a Queen album from start to finish. I've only ever heard the hits just played randomly. It's odd, isn't it? It's hard when yeah. you listen to it, is it? Um, so I really wanted to give this album a fair chance without letting my preconceptions get in the way, really. Um, now, I have to say, the opening track, Brighton Rock, didn't do too much to reassure me it wasn't completely self-indulgent. Oh, it's my favourite Queen song. <laughs> <laughs> It's Brian May's guitar solo. There was there's a section of the it's song. It's only five minutes long. Well, yeah. See, this is solo. the thing. <laughs> it's about four and a half minutes too long for me. Um, it's <sighs> like the rest of the track kind of fades away, and Brian May is just left to do some fret wanking for several minutes too long before the and song then it comes back. In. It comes frat back. Fret wanking. I've never heard that. <laughs> You've never heard of a oh, fret he wanker. He, he wanks all <laughs> over them frets. Um, now, Killer Queen, I find a little bit hard to talk about because it's so it is played so often. It's difficult you know to it, appreciate yeah. the song with fresh ears. Obviously, it was considered a standout track from the album. I think it's the only one from the album that really sits among the hits. But for me, it's kind of an ex- like it exemplifies what I don't like about Queen. Um, now, the next track, Tenement Funster, this was a real standout for me. Like the song, it's a kind banger, of, isn't it? Really, it really is. It's, it strips away some of the sillier elements and the flamboyance of the other tracks, and it, it captures the kind of essence of 70s guitar rock. And this song was yep. sung by um, Roger Taylor as well, not Freddie. So yep. I, I don't know if for that reason it helped me kind of separate the music from Queen, like the brand. You have to remember back then, Queen, when they did albums, each individual track, if it, it was written by one of the members of the bands, yep. and that's just Roger's song. That's how, yeah. that's how they used to do it back then, until they had the big fallout, then they got back together and everything's by Queen then. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, 
And that one kind of seamlessly leads on to the next track, Flick of the Wrist, which is kind of back to the Queen we're more familiar with. More familiar with. And it, it lacks any real catchiness to be particularly memorable. But you can it's hear just some there, of the, isn't it? Yeah, you can kind of hear some of the building blocks within the, the song that would later lead on to some of the bigger hits. Um, but the song, again, kind of perfectly segues into Lily of the Valley, which is a really pretty piano-led ballad, and I really like this track as well. Um, it has yeah. a couple of nice crescendos without going too over the top. Um, it's, and only, I, it's only like a minute and a half long as well. Do you know what? That's what I was going to mention, actually. that's It's a minute and 45, and I didn't realise how short some of the Queen songs are. Like, I was expecting yep. them all to be these, like, rock operas, like, 10-minute rock ops, operas. Not like until Bohemian A Night at the Opera kicked in. <laughs> yeah, that was the following album, right? That was yeah. the fourth album, and this was the third. Yeah. yeah. So... After Lily of Valley, we've got um, Now I'm Here, which is another highlight for me, actually. Again, it's proper guitar-driven rock with no bells and whistles. And I love how the guitar... It was also a single as well. It was a, quite a big hit. Was it, a, was it an actual single or was it double A-side? I, I think I, it I, might it, have been. It, it did well. It did well. People, people it, they played it live a lot as well. Yeah, so actually I can see why, because I love how the guitar kicks in after kind of quietly building the intro. It's one of the first, like... It's, the, it's, it's Brian May's Wales when he got his famous wow. Yeah. He proper gets that into it and you can see the building blocks to next album. Exactly. And do you know what, with this one as well, it kind of makes me, it, it sounds to me like it's a song that comes from a band that isn't used to doing huge arenas yet. And I think it sounds True. all the better for it. Um, mm. Lap of the Gods is skippable for me. Probably my least yeah, favourite on the album. It's the um, one I skip every time. Yeah, it's, it kind of feels like a mid-album breather. Stone Cold Crazy picks the tempo back up again, and it's a much more energetic addition to the album. And you can actually hear the influence as well um, from the early transition from rock becoming metal. Like, there's some actual, like, metal elements. Yeah, and again, the kind of screeches and stuff. I thought that was cool. It's a bit flashy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the next one, back slower again with Dear Friends. I didn't enjoy this song as much. Essentially, it's it's basically like a lullaby. Um, yeah, it's the only point in the album as well that felt a little bit disjointed as well. The rest of the album had worked really well um, as a kind of cohesive piece up until that point. Um, and unfortunately, it's at this point where I started to lose patience and interest in the album a little bit. I found mm-hmm. Misfire completely forget- forgettable uh, as well. I think it just. Takes a nosedive. It, it, but it, no, no, after the last, Cold Crazy, it just goes. The last four yeah. songs are kind of like just let's stick these on, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I th- I thought it was kind of redeemed. It was rescued slightly by um, Bring Back That Leroy Brown. Um, yeah, I thought that was song. quite fun. It was kind of re- reminiscent of like Louis Armstrong songs. Yeah. Um, and then the two. It, it kind of sorry to try. I was going to say I just right. don't think he kind of. Goes with the rest of the album. That's my issue with that. Queen have never been good at finishing albums. <laughs> well, you say that, but I actually thought that the final—I mean, the final two tracks are slow numbers again. The the penultimate one, yeah. not so great. I can't remember what it's called. Um, she makes me. Yeah, sorry. And then the final song in the lap of the gods revisited. I yeah. thought that actually ended the album really nicely. It's a, it's a good old yeah. kind of sing along. Sing along, Anthony. They did a lot of these uh, reprises in their albums where they have a song somewhere at the beginning. And then the reprise it at the very end. That's a prog thing, though, isn't mm. it? Like if you're into Slipknot prog, do that prog. as well quite often. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, um, one of those things that they're, they're known for doing, and 
I like that. I like the I like that the revisited better than the, the main version. Oh, yeah, me too. I do. Massively. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like I've been quite hard on the album, um, especially like the tracks individually. But you have to remember that. Well, firstly, I'm not a Queen fan, but but Should what be. I do, <laughs> what I do really appreciate is, like I said, the album as one cohesive piece from start to finish is really good. It sort of it it takes you on a journey, and it has a very clear start, middle, and end. It's certainly what, not a concept album, though. I would say it has maybe concept. I don't think there's a, there's a massive story arc to it or anything like no, that. No, I don't think so. I mean, each song individually, they, they certainly have their own stories yeah. because Freddie was a storyteller in his songs. Yeah, and absolutely. Obviously, oh, each of the members were. Um, but it's, you have to keep in mind also that they were kind of, they were some of the pioneers of rock. It's, it's really easy to sneer at it and say you've heard it all before or this is cheesy or it's been done a million times, but... They're the reason you've heard it a million yeah. times. They were one of the first to do that kind of thing. But I also really enjoyed like the, hearing the influence it had on some of the other bands that I listen to now and how they yeah. really have kind of shaped certain genres of music. Um, but would I listen to again? Probably not. But I have enjoyed mm-hmm. the experience of listening to a proper Queen album from start to finish and listening to Queen the way they were supposed to be heard and what Queen actually do sound like. And I think... It's it's not changed my opinion on the hits because I'm sick of them and I don't want to listen to the fucking Talking Heads documentary when there's nothing else on at Christmas. But boo, um, boo this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is why I picked Sheer Heart Attack because for me it's the most out out of all the Queen albums. It's the most out diverse. There. It mm. is out there. Yeah, it's not. It, this is before stadiums, like you say, and you can and tell. You can really tell. And yeah. the night at the opera, when when um, when Bohemian Rhapsody again, remember Bohemian Rhapsody was banned from radio because it was too long, and then they just thought, Do you know what? I think it was is it Kenny Everett that just thought, fuck it, I'm going to play it, and he played mm-hmm. it like four times in a row on radio, and everyone were like, oh, we get this now, and then they just became the behemoth that they turned into. Yeah, this is that last. Stab. I, I I remember it doesn't say this in like the films or the film, the Bohemian Rhapsody film or all like that, but in the in the biographies and stuff, it says this was Queen's last attempt from the record label to be like, Can you do something normal? And this is their normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's it's yeah, I, I think it's it's still got influences from the original band Smile as well, before Freddie joined. Mm. And you can see that when the other band write their songs. It's yeah. a lot of smile in that. I don't know. There's something, there's something about Sheer Attack that I love. Yeah, it's definitely a proper It's it's a proper rock album, wasn't it? it, it yeah, it, and they didn't name it after themselves like Queen and Queen 2. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, was, it was fine. I didn't dislike it from somebody that doesn't like Queen. It was fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone always says Queen's best albums are uh, Queen Greatest Hits 1 and 2, but <laughs> not in my opinion, it's not. I like It's Kind of Magic, just because it goes kind of... I, I like It's Kind of Magic. It is weird. Because it's got the Highlander songs on, on, Highlander tracks yeah. on there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like It's Kind of Magic as well. I know his name. News of the World. I like News of the World as well. I like a few uh, yeah. more obscure Queen albums, but thanks for that, Candy. And also, what would you rate that out of 10? I would give that a... I'd give it a seven. Thank you. Okay. Marvellous. Thank you, Candy. So let's move over now to Oodles. Um, yeah. I was um, 
poor Gadget had the uh, the task to give me an album. Yeah, trying to find something you hadn't heard of before or hadn't heard yeah. before is is difficult considering you're the most plugged in man in the world. Only on music. That's that's the only passion. No, I'm, I, really I mean, have. I mean, you're constantly plugged into something. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always listening to something. I have to be. I have to be. Uh, it's all those brain. If I had a cerebro, got. if I had a cerebro like Professor X, I'd, I'd have that on all day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was given uh, Professor mm-hmm. Elemental. Uh, that's the artist and the album Ape Quest. Lost in time, not been here before. I mean, I've seen all sorts of things, but I'm sure a pub at the beginning of the end helped me floor. From outside, it looks sort of Tudor, but from another angle, it could be from the future. Can't work out if it's bricks or made out of computers, but I can hear music inside. How super! I'm new to time travel and it is a bit lonely. Thrown me all over, maybe someone can show me how to get home or how to get Jeffrey. I step in, even I'm impressed. See, there's plenty of travellers all getting messy let me get these we're all getting so i wrote this down because i didn't know how to, i didn't know how to ad lib it myself i had to write stuff down because this is what i do i didn't do a track by track thing like you guys have done so i apologize if i, I mean if it's, 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 it's a 22 track album so it probably would have taken you a while yeah so professor elemental for people that don't know it's known he's known as the gentleman rapper and the genre is affectionately called chap hop yes it's it's just it's a genre I'd never heard exist until <laughs> this moment. So the whole album is basically like reference the musical, in my opinion. Yeah. Every other every other line is a reference to something that I knew, which I did appreciate that. Um sometimes it made me go, Oh god, simple <laughs> reference there. Easy reference. I, I'm not that reference porn guy. I'm not I'm not I'm not that big into it. Uh so Ape Quest itself is a concept album focused on a search through time and space for the professor's missing butler, Jeffrey. So I'm assuming that the other albums add context to this. No, not really, other than just the... the, 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 the <laughs> just got to accept it. Yeah, just to, to, so, so the whole concept of the idea of time travel trousers, which is how it works, yeah, is... time travel trousers. Uh, professor Elemental had, had a song on the Indifference engine called Fighting Trousers, which was a... Um, it was a chap hop diss record where he uh, oh, wow. where, where he laid out his diss as a letter. But the 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 line of it is Jeffrey, get me my fighting trousers. And the, the, oh, right. So yeah, the, I get it. I get it. Because he and he makes the line there. No, no, not those. Those are my time travel trousers. And that's where the idea so for this came from. Off. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. I like that. Um. Now, on to the uh, the, the main thing I've written there. So I had. Immense difficulty focusing on the story of this album. The way I'm wired is just the way I'm wired. That's no yeah. fault of the album itself. Uh, again, it's my fault. So I'm not used to listening to parody and story-driven rap. I'm just not. Um, the music production is fucking stellar. Yeah. It really... It, it was, what, 2015? Something yeah. like that. When was it? Yeah, 2015. It, it, that music production's really. Good. I, I feel like I feel like Fess Elemental probably had his pause in absolutely every aspect of this album. Not as much as it, not as much as the, like the, the the writing certainly, but um, most of most of the beats and most of the productions done by a fellow called Tom Caruana, who's been like a long time oh, wow. collaborator. And he's a they, yeah. They must be. I was going to say they must be tight. They're very tight. Like he trusts. Like, there's a vision shared there, and yeah. you can hear it through every aspect of it. <clears throat> but that's. Mainly all the positives I've got <laughs> on that. <laughs> so get ready. Um, 
yes, again, it's I, the, the the music production's really good. Um, it all sounds great. Like each instrument is easy to identify. Which some albums, especially in the days in the modern days of listening to uh, through Bluetooth headphones, are not good cans. Because I listen to this a lot on my commute. It's still you could still hear everything. Yeah, that's how how well it's produced. Which some do get muffled, especially older older albums. Um, and the lyrics, you can hear what he's saying because of his accent. Yeah, you know what he's saying. There's there's, there's no two ways about this. There's not much uh, slang. There's there's a bit, but it's not slang heavy. It's it does kind of it sounds weird, but it raps in the Queen's English in a way. Well, that's that that, that that's the joke, isn't it? Yeah. And one track really did stand out to me. And again, I've put this on my playlist. It's track number two, theme music. Yes, I love theme music. I think that's really good. And I thought if the rest of the album's as good as this, I'm in. But it weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that second track is sensational. I think it's a collab with someone as well, isn't it? Uh, so it's uh, Nick Maxwell's The DJ, uh, who does the yeah. scratching solo at the end. It's, it's uh, Bigger, you'll really dig this song. You'll really dig it, mate. It's it's proper good, and I were, I were humming it for for a few days as well. It just stuck in my head. But ultimately, I just didn't like the album very much. Um, it's 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 just a concept that's so alien to me. Like I couldn't find the scenario to comfortably listen to it. If you get me, yeah. How my brain works, I have to be in a certain scenario to listen to music or to engage in some form of media. That's me. I've got my own issues that I've. I've lived with Homo. I can't listen to certain audiobooks. Like when I listen to factual audiobooks, like science ones and stuff like that, I have to just lay down and listen to them. Just that, that's the only reason I will absorb that. But when I'm listening to like fiction books or certain songs, I can just let it like envelop me while I'm doing other things as well. I couldn't find the right scenario to listen to this. It wasn't suiting my bike rides. It wasn't suiting my bus rides. It wasn't suiting just being in the house. It wasn't suited while I'm playing games. Do you get what I'm saying, Gadget? I'm not. No, no, yeah, this is not nothing against the album. I mean, I can't imagine you driving to this. Oh, oh do, 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 I fucking sing along to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, I just, I can't. Like, um, um, like, like, weird, weird West is is my favorite one to sing along to. I, again, another highlight, highlight of the album. Um, I'm not usually this critical on anything, so again. I, I've, I honestly, and it's again my fault. I give it like a three out of ten, mate. That's fine because it's it's such it's so. Do you know what? I felt really old listening to it, like an old man listening to Eminem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I I just don't. I just didn't understand. If it helps, the professor's older than you. Oh, I, under, I, I, I <laughs> absolutely. Of course, it, it must be. It must be. And it's not like I didn't understand what he was saying or anything. I just. There's, there's a dysfunction in my head that doesn't allow this to work for my brain, if you get me. Yeah. Like, I, I know you fucking love a parody album. You love you love Weird Al Yankovic. You love a comedy album. You love a, a story album. Yeah. You fucking, you'd pray at the heels of Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You, you, like, a, you like a fucking song. And I, and I absolutely get why you gave me this. Because you wanted me out of my comfort zone. And, mate, I was out of my comfort zone. <laughs> You really, you really delivered the goods on that. I like. There's just, I don't know. There's just, there was a summit missing, but I doesn't. I don't think it was the album. I think it was me 
that had something missing. Fair enough. I mean, medically, I do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, I would it's just yeah. I wouldn't. I would encourage anybody to, to to give it a listen. At least give it a try. Because I would. I it's, did. Um, it, 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 I, I really love that album. So oh, much. Stig, did you listen to it, mate? What do you think? I listened to every album that we've recommended just because I wanted to see what everything, what was going on with all the albums. Uh, it's not for me. Sorry, Gadget. I can't yeah, do parody. I can't. I don't like Weird Al. I don't like parody music. I just, I got three songs in. I was like, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, just it's, not, it's, it's just not for me. Like, it's, it's just one of those things where I can't get through it and past maybe it. Maybe that's what it is. It's not for me. Maybe it that's is, what it is. Yeah. And I just it's can't it's weird it. that you're referring to it as parody music because it, it, he's parodying class, not the genre or the style. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. Like cha- I liked cha- his message. I liked what he was saying and I liked... I liked maybe it's his presentation I, then that yeah, like, comes across as parody it, I, to me. No, it's, it's, I'd it's, absolutely it's, listen to this as a story, as a book, as an audio book, not as a, a musical thing. It, 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 I, wanna, it, I yeah. like his mind. Yeah. Well, he, he has released it as comic books. Oh, there you go. I'll um, absolutely read them. But like, if you if you listen to his to like his not his non ape quest stuff, um, mm. it is just it is sincere sincere kind of hip hop music. But it is in this yeah. just oh, in yeah. this irreverent yeah. style. Um, but uh, chap hop's like a um, it's like a it's like a play on class. It's the idea of like because a lot of hip hop comes from, um, you know, the struggles of the working class people, and this is kind of mocking upper class people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Do you know what it reminded me? It was like the antithesis to the streets. Remember the streets? Yeah, it pretty much is. That's pretty much what Chapop is. It's the opposite is. of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but cool. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Oodles. So, Stig, last up, close us out on this one. Last up, I was given Saul Williams' 2004 self titled second album, Saul Williams. I got another plan, one that requires me to stand on the stage in the street. Don't need no microphone to beat. And if you hear the song, if you ain't dead, then sing along. Bands from the desert, from the east, wherever you belong. I got a list of demands, written on the palm of my hands. I'm on my mission, you gon' know where I stand. We live in land of time, you wanna be somebody. See somebody, try and free somebody. Got a list of demands, written on the palm of my hands. I'm on my mission, you gon' know where I stand. Uh, Saul Williams is a poet, actor, rapper from New York. He gained widespread attention after starring in a hip-hop poetry film, Slam. And this album kind of uses a fusion of spoken word pieces, DJ, uh, breakbeats, prog rock guitars, uh, punk, and amongst other things as well. Uh, So we went about this as I listened through it once, just to get my initial thoughts. And then I kind of went through it again to make notes, looking up some of the lyrics as well, because as um, with the goats, this is quite very well, it's very politically charged. Um, So yeah, I kind of broke down some of the, some of the tracks as well. I didn't do every single track and I'll explain why when I get to the end. So the, the album starts talk to strangers. Uh, It's opening is really cool. It's a spoken word. uh, rhyme poem against a pretty cool beat um it's not something i really listened to ever but um i thought it was quite cool as a cold opening to an album um despite actually him being a poet it was written by serge tankian from system so, of a down yeah so it was uh, before, before you continue sorry did, did biggie give you that no candy oh did you oh right oh, uh, i forgot even yeah, you know that the the, the guy's kind of act is he's a poem, a poem, he's a poet, and everything. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is a pretty cool 
cold open it. Like, I wouldn't want to listen to a whole album of this, but as a as a opening track, kind of leads you into the um, the album pretty well. And I just, I just thought it was a bit uh, a bit funny that Serge actually wrote it. Uh, the follow up oh. to that is Grippo. Uh, this track couldn't sound any more mid two thousands if it tried. Everything <laughs> about it, from the guitars, the beat, the vocals, it sounds like it should be on a Need for Speed game. Like if you Give stuck, a, if you, oh no, it does. You listen to that, listen to Give that track, underground. Listen to that track, and you will sit there and you're like, yeah, I could see myself driving on, you know, on the streets in a in a skyline for, in a Need for Speed game, and that track would be blaring in the background. It's pure 2000s street racing game track. It's it's quite fun and and uh, uh, Paul Walker would have had it on, on the in the skyline. Yeah, um, but yeah, it just it just kind of fits the era. It really does kind of fit mid two thousands. Uh, same with Telegram. That's a follow up, which is a much heavier beat and vocals on that one. That was pretty cool. But again, it's very mid two thousands. It's a, a, a very much a sound of its time. Uh, it also again sounds like the kind of background music you get in a game. It reminds me of the kind mm. of background music you used to get in wrestling games. It's quite <laughs> generic. Uh, however, the lyrics and the message in this song are brilliant. Uh, so I listened to it and I was like. You can pick up what he's what he's going for within the song, and it's he's telling a tale of hip hop being killed, but it's done in a way that mimics the kind of plights of black people. Uh, hmm. So what this lyrics here: car, um, cop car swerves to the side of the road, hip hop takes its last breath. The cop scrawls vernacular manslaughter on yellow pad, then balls the paper in his hand, deciding he'd rather freestyle. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. And maybe you should have, maybe you should have before your bullshit manifested. It's a song basically about him being fed up of the current state of the hip hop at the time. Uh, MTV's kind of turn to the ghetto thug subculture of hip hop, your 50 cents, your games, like that kind of hip hop. And if you read the lyrics and listen to the song, you can tell that he's like, he does not like this. He does not like the way that hip hop's going. Um, so I really dug the lyrics on that one. Just the song itself was a bit eh. Next song, it's fucking incredible. Really like this song. Uh, Act three, scene two, Shakespeare. This is my favorite song on the album. Mm. Um, it also features Zach de la Rocha in the in the chorus, and the lyrics oh, to this nice. are brilliant. The whole song is connecting America's involvement in Iraq. To Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, like All absolutely right. bangs. Mm. It's really, really good. Like that one. That was one that I will definitely <clears throat> carry on listening to. Uh, the, after after this, uh, list of demands again is another really cool track. F- uh, funky, fast paced, really enjoyable. Then it kind of takes a stop with American student movement. It's very slow. I didn't really like this one. It has a moments where it, the tempo does lift. But the majority of the song uses the N word over and over again. It's not a song looking. It's not a song that's wanting to get the attention of a mid thirties white boy from the countryside. It's very much <laughs> a call to arms for a certain demographic, uh, the American student kind of movement. Obviously, it's, it's there in the title. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't speak to me. You know, you know, with with obviously a lot of hip hip hop, you don't. I don't connect with the lyrics because they're not about my experiences, not about where I come from. I just can just get on with the the sound yeah. and the music, and I, I can I can understand what 
the the lyrics, but they just they don't refer to my life. This one was just a bit too much for me. Um, uh, Black Stacy is the second track on this. I really liked. It's got a really great piano, um, a percussion intro to it. A really cool ditty runs throughout the whole thing, and then the nice beat kicks in about halfway. Uh, it it really does slap. It's proper good. This track, like I, this one that I've kind of been singing to myself outside of like not listening to the track. Uh, and it's a autobiographical, autobiographical, get that autobiographical. word out. Autobiographical song, yeah. So it's about because when he was younger, he said he was the the darkest skinned person in his class, and his middle name is Stacy, and everyone used to call him Black Stacy. So it's due to this nickname, he was like always defined by his physical appearance and even his personality, and like the kind of the insecurities that come with just referring to someone by their appearance and it kind of brings up things of um slave reparations and stuff within it and, and stuff so it's a really really cool song got really good lyrics um after that the album loses its way for me uh, it got a little bit boring and it kind of throws around a bunch of random sounds and the rest of the album's a little forgettable uh, he tries to sing a prog metal at one point it doesn't really have the range to pull it off um so yeah like the first half really enjoyed second half wasn't too into it so i don't really have much to say about the songs in the second half because they just they didn't really do it for me um overall it's like an ambitious effort like a proper call of consciousness like the the messages in there is like proper wake up calls for people he's very clearly a gifted words uh, smith but um, yeah, it's very intelligent in your face politically with a social commentary. Um, a lot of ideas about gentrification, like I said before, slave reparations, and his thoughts on the current hip hop scene. But overall, it's the album's split into two for me. Mm. So it suffers I find a bit. Exactly same, but I, I feel like the first the, the reason I gave you that one is that I. I I, I know you'd find the lyrics a challenge, but I know that you'd sort of be able to, you know, take from it what you did, that you can appreciate it and you can appreciate the call to arms. But I, I agree that, like you said, it's split into two halves. But I feel like the first half kind of more than makes, like as an average, it more than makes up for the second half, I think. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I would. Yeah, I guess so. I, overall, I think I'd give it like a maybe a six and a half out of ten, but mainly just because the the second half just I I was listening to the first one, and you especially get to that those three songs, Act Three, List of Demands, and Black Stacy. You got three really good songs there, and kick like you know the beats there, the, the it's kind of getting you pumped up and going, and then it just kind of goes into eh, and I found myself being a bit bored by the second half, but. Overall, like yeah, definitely the Act Three and Black Stacy are great. I would like if you if you're just not going to bother listening to the album, if listen to them songs because they're really really good. Excellent. Well, that's that's it. That's our albums reviewed. Um, but we have mailbag as well on this one. We have, we have a few people's opinions on albums that we should all listen to. Uh, so we have Alex seventy nine UK kicking us off, saying I'm not a big Bon Jovi fan. But Slippery When Wet and the one after are decent. (laughs) And if you like that sound, check out my mate's band, White Tiger. This is the life. White spelled W-H-Y-T-E. Go listen to Alex's mate's band. 
good. If you like eighties hair metal. Uh, that F King guy has said uh, two. I'd like to throw into the mix: Jason Isbell, Southeastern, and Drive By Truckers, Southern Rock Opera. Both very good albums. Never heard of them, but I will. I'll check them out. John Cheatham. We always like a John Cheatham recommendation. He's come in with Black Thought, Streams of Thought, Volume Two. Yes, mate. Which I haven't heard. Uh, and Dawnbringer, Into the Lair of the Sun God, which I have heard and is out fucking standing. Is that a, like a, is that a heavy metal good. But, yeah. band? Yeah. You can just tell oh, by yeah. the name. Dawnbringer. <laughs> well, if you don't know, if, uh, it's good, Black though. Thought's the, um, pretty much the main rapper from The Roots. And he's freestyling. He's incredible. Excellent. Just giving a quick listen to this White Tiger. It is, it's giving me vibes of Def Leppard, hair metal, kind of. <laughs> hey. Yeah, oh, he's into it. He's, 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 cool. got that, he's, got, he's got the rock nod going on with the little rapid nod that he's, he's, holding, yeah. he's holding his hand against his ear. Yeah. <laughs> some, great, some great guitar solos going on there. Just skipping through a few of it, but yeah, into that, I'll definitely give that a listen to. Excellent. Uh, last up, we have DJ. Uh, he's, he sent us a mini essay here. Um, Good. He said, Dear SCGOB. Uh, That's our uh, initials. Stick, candy, gadget, oodles. Oh, ah, oh. okay. Now. <laughs> that threw me off. <laughs> I thought I was thinking, is it something clever? I was trying to think <laughs> what it could be. No, it's just initials. Uh, my choice for this week's topic is an album very dear to my heart and also ties in nicely with last week's topic, Musical Idols, which I missed. The album is Bloodless Coup by the Irish indie rock band Bell X1, fronted by my musical idol, Paul Noonan. They released their first album, Neither Am I, in 2001, shortly after Damien Rice, who was previously in the band under the name Juniper, fucked off to France to work on a solo project without telling anyone, and every album since then is a treasure trove of lyrical and melodical genius. Bloodless Coup is the pinnacle of this, in my opinion. Released in 2011 at the height of the austerity post the final financial crash, while governments stripped public services of resources when society needed them most, this album captures the ability for people to tolerate shit day in, day out, and at the same time grasp fleeting moments of absolute beauty, from first track to last. And at 11 tracks and 55 minutes long, it's an album you can listen to from start to finish in less than an hour, ideal for mind-numbing housework. The first track, Hey Annalena, is a beautiful soliloquy told through the eyes of a five-year-old boy in love with his friend, and planning to run away to get married. It's a song about the innocence of youth amid society essentially collapsing, with unemployment and emigration rampant, and no doubt most parents finding it hard to get by, yet the children still see love in a future. The next song, Velcro, was the hit single in Ireland, and tells the story of, as Paul Newnham told himself, a certain kind of man love that comes from finding yourself in strange situations with your close friends. It's the story of their van getting stuck after a thunderstorm playing a festival in Texas, but the message for society at the time was to stick together, a message still very relevant today. The third song for me is the most powerful pieces of art is one of the most powerful pieces of art in any form I've ever experienced. Many of you will know I work in the area of cancer treatment as my day job. The song Night Watchman at first listen could e- easily be mistaken for a song about the nights watching Game of Thrones or a song about seeing an ex-lover out on a night out and missing that person. It is in fact a song about letting go of a loved one as they battle through cancer treatment and at and that point where the treatment is no longer work and the person has to decide to as the song puts it go another round or not. The song is sang from the perspective of a son watching his mother and the range of emotions it elicits is vast. A lyric from this song has reduced me to tears on several occasions as part of me wants to see you crumble. 
It's a feeling I know both professionally and personally, um, and the way the song captures a cancer journey that ends ultimately in death speaks to the very core of my being. The next four songs, Sugar High, a song about the toxicity of neoliberal capitalism, so you can see why I love it. Built to Last, a song Uh about the subtle differences between a love, a soulmate, an amazing line in this song is, the bullet you dodged could soon be lodged in another heart. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Four Minute Mile and Safer Than Love are all commentaries on the things we cannot control and the futility of fretting about those, whilst not appreciating the wonder we have in front of us. Then we come to my favourite song of all time, The Trailing Skirts of God. This song is essentially a story about a kid being forced into a life of conservative Catholicism and realising that way of life is utter bullshit. It is completely opposed to the naive innocence portrayed in Hey Annalena and is Paul Noonan letting go of any guilt he has for shunning Catholicism. Quote, I've drifted far from you in this bloodless coup, I'll, I'll say good day and adieu. End quote. As someone who was immersed in Catholicism for, for my childhood and has grown up to become a raging atheist socialist, I find this song in particular tells a, very, a story very close to my own. Anyway, I've gone on for too long, taking too much seminal space in this bulging sack, so I'll, I'll end with the lyric from the song Safer Than Love, which reminds me of the modern escapism crew, a crew who have shared many of their own troubles with the extended family, who are all beautiful people. And the, 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 the lyric he leaves us with is, I know you've never believed those, sister, when they told you about those patent shoes. I hope someday to catch your reflection and see how beautiful you are. Oh, oh, such a gorgeous bloke, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Thank you for that one, so you? It pisses you off as well because he's devilishly handsome as well. <laughs> oh. But yeah, he, he did send me uh, the, the trailing skirts of God in the week. Um, obviously knows that I've come from a religious background and also a raging socialist and atheist and that song <laughs> is fucking stunning it's not my taste usually he knew this when he sent it me but fuck me I have not stopped listening to it it is absolutely spellbinding it's one of those things that hits you you know those those, those little songs you go that's me <laughs> that kind of thing it's yeah fucking oh, beautiful bastard Excellent, excellent. So that's the bulging sack from our bulging sackoids. Excellent. So, as always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in the show notes and at modernescapism.co.uk and please consider becoming a patron to help support our endeavour. Next week, I believe it's going to be our 100th episode. Am I right? Nope. Nope. Well, I got that wrong. This is episode 98. Next week is episode 99. Let's start again then. Staying in. (laughs) Next week, we're doing our 12-track Emmy compilation album in which, between us, we will bring five tracks each and whittle them down to a cohesive, or maybe not so cohesive, product. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a wild mess. So, <laughs> so Corpse, um, Dimu Borgia. Yeah. That's just from me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The cartoons. Humperding. <laughs> the cartoons. <laughs> it's going to be an absolute mess. So, for people that aren't patrons, this is the end of the line for you guys. Time to say goodnight, but for patrons, we'll meet you in the green room to talk more stuff. Good night, everybody else. Goodbye. Oh,
No, no. What we're doing next week? <laughs> Watch the Threat chat. And down. What chat? The, the chat. Private <laughs> chat we have. Where? You're such a boomer. You're such a boomer. <laughs> Top right hand corner that says show chat. Even I've been reading that. <laughs> well, if you look through that chat for the past nine months, I've not said anything in it because I didn't know we were there. Okay, never look.